All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode eight of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I'm Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jake Hill. We got an exciting episode for y'all today. Um, I see if you're watching on YouTube, then you can see down there in the bottom of your screen in the middle. We got a special guest for you here today. We'll introduce him here in a second, one of our good buddies. Um, But we're excited to bring you some more sports content today. We've got some Braves talk. We've got some college football talk. The Associated Press dropped their AP Top 25 to lead the season off, and uh, we want to do a quick breakdown on that. So I know the boys are pumped to get into that. So, uh, Jake, what you got? Kenny, I have to say, man, every one of your introductions are always so crisp, so clean, better better, better than I could do. And, uh, again, the Strider stash looks looks great. You need to kind of get a little trim going on the on the, on the face. I see, it, I see it's coming back a little bit. You need to hit a straight razor on that. Um, Work, so, working on it. Yeah. <laughs> before before we get too far into things, I wanted to say, uh, you know, if you listen to us on the podcast side, check us out, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff with the with the pods. Um, you can also check us out. Ooh, ooh, twist of words. You can check us out on Twitter at Peach State Pod. Uh, Kenny has been posting bangers through the account, which has been awesome to see. Um, and Peach State Tailgate on TikTok. Been a little slow there, but it's because uh, that, that might be more of my side of things and uh. I might be a little lazy, and uh, let's just say Madden 23 just came out, so occupied time. What? Uh, Kenny, I think, I think that's all I have for the social medias and all that fun stuff. Again, uh, appreciate you guys stopping in here and giving us a little list, and we're about to kick things off. It's going to get hot. Kenny, go ahead and bring our guy in here. All right, so before we introduce the uh, special guest of the evening, I will say, uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you uh, follow us on Anywhere you get your podcasts and vice versa, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, check us out on YouTube so you can see the beautiful face of our special case, of our special guest, Jacob Camp. What's up, fellas? I'm happy to be here. Oh, yes, sir. That boy, Camp. Uh, I have to also mention um, high school high school legend. Uh, he, he destroyed uh, current Florida Gator Brenton Cox in high school whenever Brenton Cox played at Stockbridge High School. So... That's a very, very confident thing. Uh, I don't think there's any film on it, so don't look, don't look back and try to find the film. Just, just trust our <laughs> word. Uh, former teammate of mine in high school, we rocked the defensive side of the ball together. Um, a good friend of ours, he knows a lot about sports, specifically football. Um, you get into NFL, college ball, Jacob's right there with you. And um, also a little inside source for us, Jacob, uh, a UGA attendee, He's uh, at UGA right now studying and um, is a uh, intern at the, for the strength and conditioning staff at UGA for the for the football team. So uh, pretty much, I think assistant defensive coordinator is what we pinned uh, <laughs> him as. So um, we're excited to have him on. You guys are going to see Jacob around a lot more with college football ramping up. We've been dying to get him on here. So today is really the first college football heavy episode when we're getting into actual content. You know, we've been projecting several things throughout the past few episodes but now we've got some hardcore top 25 to go off of we got a special segment for you guys coming up on the next podcast we won't get into but um we're excited to have jacob and uh yeah it's gonna be good all right uh you guys y'all want to kick this stuff off with some braves talk go ahead and get that stuff out of the way i I would say the boring stuff but i mean we are playing the mets right now and you know we're we're four and a half back so it's pretty exciting too um obviously we're pumped up for football but Let's go ahead and get the Braves stuff out the way, and uh, then we can kick off a little bit of football talk a little bit later on in the pod. All right, so I, I wanted to start off by saying uh, congratulations to Mr. Michael Harris on getting a bag. The name Money Mike 
fits the bill now. Um, the, the man, the young man, the 21 year old from Stockbridge High School, as we mentioned earlier, um, besides with Brenton Cox, he signed an eight year, $72 million extension with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the deal also includes a team option for 2031, which is a $15 million team option, and a team option for 2032, which is a $20 million team option. Uh, I saw a little statistic the other day. Apparently, the Braves will have uh, Matt Olson, Michael Harris, and Austin Riley. Uh, people that are in kindergarten right now will be like high school freshmen by the time, and they'll still be on the team. So, pretty interesting to see that. I was, I was pumped for for the net Georgia native to get that big deal. So, Michael Harris, obviously, he's a hometown boy. Grew up right in our backyard. We play. They're actually a region opponent of ours in high school. We played them in every sport several times a year. Um, so we're super familiar with the guy, and we've been high on him from the very beginning. Um, this guy got some Acuna-type hype coming out of the minors. So he came up a little quickly. I think a lot of people would agree when we say that, but, dude, he came into the majors and just has been raking. He's uh, So you get a guy like that who has had so much success at a young age and at a young point in his career, and then you go ahead and lock him up for the next nearly decade. Like, I mean, what more can you ask for? AA does it again. Um, it's time to uh, – I mean, if if he can keep doing this, man, I'm gonna get an Alex Anthopoulos tattoo. That is that is facts, and uh, I I know we mentioned earlier, Jacob, that you're more of a football guy, but I know I know you dabble a little bit in in the Braves. What's what's your thoughts on Mister Money Michael Harris and uh, and his future with the Atlanta Braves? No, I, I think he's definitely definitely that guy. He's definitely a dog. Um, but I've seen a lot of like hate around him saying that he's only played in what like seventy games, seventy major league games, if that. So I am not saying this is my thoughts, but like, what are you, what are y'all thoughts on he could come out next season and fall off, but we just signed him to an eight year deal. Um, you you want to take this one, Kenny? You want me to go at it first? Um, I'm I'll dabble in it a minute. I think you look at the sample size you're giving with Michael Harris, and for the player that he is, and honestly, for the, it, I don't want to say it's very team friendly. I mean, it is a very team friendly contract. I will say that, but. There was a lot of hate coming at the Braves because of the contract, saying that we underpaid the guy and that we're trying to fleece all of our players. And I mean, honestly, you look at a guy like Michael Harris, dude. Like Matt Olson, and I was telling Jake about this. Matt Olson's 28 years old and signed his eight-year contract with the Braves. By the time Michael Harris's contract's ending, he's going to be late 20s. You know, rounded up to 30, he's going to be in the position to get another Matt Olson-type contract at that point in his career. Like he's going to be able to double dip. So is he making as much money now? As he would have if he just played out the remainder of his, of his of his you know contract, went through his arbitration years, and then got the big deal. No, but he's gonna make more money in the long run. So it's player friendly, it's team friendly, and I say all that to say that I'm confident in what I've seen from Michael Harris. I mean, he's a he he's literally a bona fide five tool player. Like he does everything. He runs, he fields, he's got a cannon, he hits for average, he hits for power. Like this dude literally does everything you ask him for. He steals bases. So even if we were to see a significant drop off in Michael Harris's game right now. I mean, he's batting what, Jake? 280, 285 right now? Yeah, he's batting up there. By the way, he also just hit a, uh, he just gave us the lead in the seventh inning with an RBI double uh, that drove in Von Grissom. So, you know, he's, he's, he's continuing right now as we speak. So I would just say that even if we did see slight, even, I mean, you could say major aggression. I mean, you take 30 points off this guy's batting average, he's still batting 250, which is what Matt Olson's given us with an insane OPS and, you know, crazy production from RBIs to, leading the team in RBIs to whatever. So 
Um, I say all that to say that I don't think that Michael Harris will have any regression from what I've seen, but it's definitely a possibility. But even if he did, he'd still be worth every dime. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that too a little bit. Uh, I do want to mention that the most money Michael Harris will make in a year off guaranteed money is $12 million, which is 2030. Uh, to put that in perspective, I want to say whenever we signed Drew Smiley to a one-year deal, I want to say he made 13. So it's it's a it's a pretty interesting interesting thing uh and talking about michael harrison his ceiling and his floor obviously the ceiling for michael harris is is the sky's the limit the kid can do everything he's an acuna type guy uh but the floor i mean michael harris there's there's multiple things that i see that won't go away and that's defense and speed and paying a defensive first center fielder 12 million dollars in the year 2030 where where the cap is probably gonna well there's not a cap you know luxury tax limit and all that stuff's probably gonna be sky high I mean, I, I feel like this is a deal that you can't go wrong. And it makes it makes a lot of sense on Michael Harris's part because, you know, the kid would be making, you know, damn near the bare minimum for the next two, three years. And then he hit arbitration. So right now we're guaranteeing Michael Harris to make five million in 2023. And it just goes up after that. So, I mean, the guy's going to be bringing in real money to, you know, I know everybody likes to make get that first contract in. So it, it's, you know, it's going to be really cool to see for him. And I, I, I don't see much loss in this deal. I, I think it's majority a win. Make no mistake about it, seventy-two million dollars is generational type money. Like this dude, like if he never played another game in the MLB after this contract's up, like he set himself and his family up for the future. Like seventy-two million dollars, guys, like that's absurd. Yeah, it, it definitely is crazy. Uh after the Michael Harris stuff, I, I do want to get into Monday's game. Uh Monday's game. I I in my notes I had written down the Spencer Strider's revenge game. Um, this game was, a, I want to say a pain to watch, but it was actually a pretty fun game to watch. The only thing that was painful in it was the hour-long rain delay we had to sit through and just wait. And at that point, whenever you're like me and you had Spencer Striders over on the six and a half strikeouts, you were nervous that he was even going to come back, come back out and pitch. And he did come back out and pitch. He didn't win me no money, which is, is a sad thing. But I mean, we won the game. So at the end of the day, you know, I'll lose my $15 I had put on it just for a Braves win. Um, Spencer Strider. Five innings pitch, three hits, one run, one walk, and four strikeouts. On the other side, for the Mets, Carlos Carrasco had to leave after just two innings. I think when he, I think he came out, I think the rain delay took place like midway through the second inning, and he came back out, and I think he had he had messed up. I think it was a hamstring or something like that. I can't remember what particular he had, but I think he's going to miss like five to six weeks or something crazy. I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't remember the injury exactly. I don't know if. You remember the injury, Kenny? I don't know what, what exactly happened to him. I think it was a hamstring as well, but I'm, I'm pulling it up. Okay, while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and jump into the uh, offense because while Spencer Strider had a great performance, the offense was even better. They exploded for eight runs in the sixth inning. Ronald Acuna, three for five with three doubles, three ribbies. Dansby Swanson, three for four with a double and three ribbies. Vaughn Grissom continues the great, great play he's been having. Two for three with two runs and... Travis Darno, Eddie Rosario, and Contreras all homered. The Braves went on to win the game 13-1 in game one of the Mets series. Carrasco um, had a ha he tweaked his hamstring, but was ruled out with an oblique strain. So they okay. said he's going to miss up to four weeks. Okay, copy that. Um, so, you know, we started off the series hot on Monday, something that us Braves fans, man, we needed so much. And even more than us, the Braves themselves needed so much. It, it, it almost felt like to me that we could not beat the New York Mets in you know, getting that getting that big thirteen to one victory in game one, it was huge for the confidence. I'm sure. 
You look at a series, specifically a four-game series, to where you're, it's an even matchup. So you have to win three to one to even gain any ground on this team. And you know two of their starters are going to be Scherzer and DeGrom. You've got to take advantage of the weak links. And, you know, we're about to get into game two, which I guess, hell, if you don't mind, Jake, I'll go ahead and kick off game two. Yeah, go ahead with it. So we rounded out game one with the 13-1 to route headed into game two. Like I just mentioned, you when you see a series against a dominating pitching staff, or dominant pitching staff, I should say, um, that has guys like Scherzer and DeGrom, you have to take advantage of the weaker players. So you look at Carlos Carrasco. Um, you know, we shelled him, went out with the injury, unfortunately. Um, and then Taiwan Walker, same thing with him, went out with a little bit of an injury, but came in. And, um, you know, a big benefit to the Braves is this Mets team, they – so bullpen-wise, the Braves are probably the deepest and best bullpen in baseball, in my personal opinion. The Mets, you know, are not, but they have the closing. I mean, you got Edwin Diaz out there. So when you talk about dominating pitchers or dominating um, pitching staffs, I should say, the best thing you can do against a team like the Mets is eat up their bullpen. And that's exactly what we did. So heading into the second game, man, Tywin Walker comes in there, pitches two innings, gives up a hit, two walks. Um, and then they go deep in the bullpen and have three guys in R.J. Alvarez, um, Steven Nagasek. Is that right? Your guess is as good as mine. I would pronounce it the same way. And I'm not even looking at it. I just assume you're right. And then Seth Lugo. So they come in, deplete the bullpen a little bit against the Braves, which is always good to see getting into the, to the later half of the series that we'll touch on here after this. Um, but another key win for the Braves, man. I mean, we mentioned it in the last series. The Mets, the, the previous series, which we lost to the Mets in devastating fashion, felt like a must-win series. It wasn't technically a must-win series, but it really felt like one as far as the NL East race goes. Um, you know, we say it every episode, but we are pretty much a lock for the, for the postseason. But the NL East is still something that we take pride in. And, and you know, we've been the, the daddies in this NL East for four straight years, so we want to keep that going. And the Mets by no means are, are a slouch. I mean, these, this team is World Series caliber. Um, so, man, it felt good to get a 2-0 lead up on these guys in the series. Um, you come in there in, in game two, and you see some really good production from from uh, Travis Darno, which is the big one for me, coming back from that injury. He had a really good game, went two for four. Um, and then Matt Olson, man, two for four with three RBIs. Guys like that on a – in a game where your your top tier guys didn't produce as much, I know Ronald Acuna he drew four walks, which is incredible. But uh, Dansby Swanson one for three with an RBI, um, Austin Riley one for three with an RBI as well. So in a game like that where we're not mashing thirteen to one like we were in the game previous, you can get a guy like Travis Darno and Matt Olson in there giving some pretty significant production. That's great to see headed on to uh, later in the series. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to kind of go off on some things that you had said too. Uh, the importance of winning the division is huge right now in the NL East because right now the Braves have the third best record in the National League, and if we were to pass the Mets and take over the lead for the NL East, um, we would have we would we would be off during wild card play. So as of right now, we would be playing the second seed in the wild card, which I believe is held by the San Diego Padres. I want to say, and um, if 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 we win the National League East. And the Mets fall down to the wild card spot, we would then not play in wild card. I mean, obviously the wild card this year is a little different than past years. And past years has been a one one game winner takes all, but this year it's a little different. You got a uh, three game series, and whoever's the higher seed would play at home. So right now the Atlanta Braves would play the San Diego Padres at home in a wild card game. But I mean, you'd much rather have it off. Uh, 
Talking about RJ Alvarez, he's another guy I made a note on. I believe it was his first major league game since 2015, which was a crazy stat to me to think about. And he was wild. He was throwing sliders behind Ronald Acuna's head. It was it was pretty funny to watch. And then he also threw one behind Dansby's head. This dude was this dude was all over the place. And he had me kind of messed up because he struck out Michael Harris at his first first batter back. So <laughs> um also my last little note I have, uh Matt Olson. I know you talked about how good of a game he had. Dude, his home run on top of the chop house holy hell i don't think i've seen a ball hit that far into the chop house yet at truest so that was really really awesome to see. yeah the roof the man hit it on the roof like they need they need to put a little metal baseball up there to mark that because that is that is legendary <clears throat> freddie freeman <clears throat> never did that but uh you know matt olson's doing stuff in atlanta we'd love to see he's also also made quite a few great defensive plays recently which has been awesome awesome man we we have been preaching this dude all podcast long for all eight episodes this far. And, um, you know, we can't get enough of him. The production that you see from him game in to game out is just, I mean, it's it's insurmountable. And you, and you compare him to a guy like Freddie Freeman, which is impossible to do because Freddie Freeman is one of the greatest first basemen of all time. I mean, honestly, when you look at it and what he's been able to do in his career, he's an M- an MVP candidate, MVP, a former MVP winner. Like this dude is a is nuts. And then you add, you know, World Series champion to his to his record and and to his resume. It it just makes it look even better. So it's it's an impossible player to replace. But when you bring in a guy like Matt Olson, he's just such a different player. Like they're not they're they're hard to compare in, in several different aspects. But one thing that doesn't lack from either one of the guys is they're going to help contribute to a championship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they both, they're both top tier players. Obviously, I made the little, I mean, I just said something about Freddie, but I mean, I'm, I'm still a Freddie supporter. Freddie was, is an Atlanta legend. I honestly, this is, this is an honest opinion. Freddie, to me, this is good. This might be bold and it might be questionable. I think that he might have done more for Atlanta sports than almost any Atlanta athlete I've ever seen. And Chipper was awesome. Chipper won a championship too, but Chipper did not sit through a five year rebuild. Freddie Freeman sat through a five-year rebuild, did not say a word about it, and then won a ring. That's not something you see very often in today's in any sport today. So, you know, props to him. I'll always give him credit for that. And, you know, Matt Olson, the best guy we could have possibly found to replace him. So win-win for both sides. Freddie's now home. I know his, I, I bet it's probably his wife that played a big part in that, including his agent. That's an absolute cheese ball that Pansy Swanson also uses, which kind of scares me. But, you know, I, I don't think in Freddie's heart he wanted to leave. But, you know, Freddie's in the past. Now it's Matt Olsen time. And, you know, Braves fans are going to be loving it for the next eight or so years. What's your thoughts on Matty O, Jacob? You like Matty O? I got a Matty O jersey. I oh, to, uh, yeah, you do. I watched like three games and I determined I was getting a Matty O jersey. I respect it. I, I absolutely respect it. Matty O is the bomb. Yeah, because I remember this season he started off as like the best player in baseball for like the first like month. It was awesome. Yeah, he was insane. He's also my my four month old son's favorite player. Congratulations, Brooks! Anytime, anytime Matt Olson's on TV, his eyes are glued to it. So, uh, shout out Matt Olson, biggest fan. All right, so Wednesday, Wednesday, yesterday. Uh, by by the way, we didn't do a timestamp. It's nine forty on uh August eighteenth. So you know Thursday, Thursday night. Um, so Wednesday, Scherzer dominates but he makes it a little bit fun towards the end um jake odorizzi i was with kenny at the start of this game and he this man was throwing 91 right down the middle and 
he made me nervous. Um, but I will say, after the rain delay ended, we had another rain delay in Atlanta. Wow. Um, after the rain delay ended, he kind of locked in. He looked he looked good after the rain delay. He did give up four runs before the rain delay, but I think the rain delay happened in the second inning. But after that, I mean, he made it five innings. He did give up eight hits, five runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. But I'm I'm happy he turned it around because. It, in my situation, I was sitting here thinking that Freddie Tarnock was about to make his major league debut in the uh, third inning, but he he did he ended up making it a little bit later on. But <laughs> Odorizzi saved the bullpen a little bit, which is so important. And uh, you know, Snit kind of talked a little bit about it, which I don't know how come Snit talked about it a little bit because Snit was ejected after Riley was rung up by Max Scherzer on a questionable strike call up in the zone. Now, there's a lot of things that go on with this pitch because. Honestly, I think if they would have made the call down to first base to check the check swing, he would have been out because it looked like he swung. But I think Brian Snickers' problem he had with it is that the home plate umpire called it like a strikeout looking. Like he, it was a late call. He stood there and it's like he thought about it. He's like, ah, he's out. So I think that was kind of Snick's, Snick's idea of it. And, you know, that's kind of one that you want to appeal to fir- the first base umpire because he can has a better view at it. So that was an interesting one to me. Um, I- I'll pause for a moment to see if y'all have any input on that one. I thought it was ridiculous. <clears throat> it it pissed me off, uh, and you know, rightfully so. Brian Snicker. It's nice to see a little fire come from the from the ninety seven year old manager. Um, so any any time he gets fired up is always good for fans. Um, Jake Odorizzi, um, get him out of here. You're you're out. You're out on Jake Odorizzi. He's gone. I'm out. I'm out on Jake Odorizzi, man. I was in the same. I thought the same thing as you. And it's unfortunate how the game played out for the Braves. Because I was like, okay, you know, come out from the rain. He gets shelled, obviously. He throws meatballs. And then rain delay comes back. I mean, still gives up five earn, eight hits, but and then two walks. But, like, I thought the same thing as you. I was like, if he, this guy can just eat up some innings and save our bullpen, that would be great. And then we send five bullpen guys. So, yeah. didn't really help that much. And, and there was there was a lot of questions on how the bullpen was handled. Uh, I do I do want to mention before I get into the bullpen talk that the Braves did score four in the seventh to make it a six five ball game. We were still down by one, but I mean, we made it close. I thought the game was over. You see Max Scherzer on the mound, and you're down by that type of deficit. Uh, you you don't expect to really get back into it. But Von Grissom Von Grissom beat on a double play ball that actually got overturned. It was it was an out on the field, but they went to the booth and overturned it, which was it happened. It turned out to be a huge play. I want to say a run scored on that, which cut it down to. What whatever the uh it cut it down to a three or a four run game and then Robbie Grossman comes up and launches a three run bomb. Robbie Grossman, man, Robbie Grossman might be the he he might be the left fielder all the way till Ozzy comes back because obviously I think when Ozzy comes back that might be uh actually I don't know when Ozzy comes back they might put Vaughn at DH so there's <laughs> there's a lot of options the Braves can go to but I think Robbie Grossman might might have submitted himself in the in the, on the Braves team to be a frequent in this lineup. And I also saw some funny, funny memes on Twitter saying that if Alex Anthopoulos ever calls you about a guy that's hitting 195, just hang up the phone because he's going to bring him in. He's and the guy's going to absolutely mash Jorge Soler last year and he, uh, Robbie Grossman this year. So, you know, a knows his guys. Grossman is a dog. Is that is I, I, he reminds me so much of Johnny Gomes and he's fast. Like he scored on a play today where Dansby hit a double in the gap. Now, I will say it did go to the wall, so I mean, I expect it. But they showed the replay of Robbie Grossman running the bases. This dude was flying. Like, this dude can run. Like he's He does not look like he's athletic. He looks like he would probably get done with the game and then goes straight to the bar and pounds 13 Budweiser's. But 
I mean, the dude can run. The dude's athletic. He makes plays. I mean, he made a little sliding play in yesterday's game, which was cool to see. You know, the guy's a total athlete. Absolute dog. He's got a little swag, too. He's got a little way about him, dude. He comes out there, dripped out a little bit. And, uh, you know, when you see a guy like Robbie Grossman on a Sunday afternoon at Target buying his groceries, <laughs> he just looks like the stereotypical 30-year-old white guy. But And then he goes up there and plays in the big leagues and looks like an absolute legend. Like, I love this dude. Yeah, Robbie's been awesome. Now, I, I do want to talk about bullpen. So there, there was a lot of stuff going on on Twitter about how, how the Braves managed the bullpen because, obviously, um, the Mets brought in Edwin Diaz to try to record a six-ounce save, and he got the three-ounce in the eighth inning relatively, I'm not even going to say relatively, very very easily. He We did not even look competitive against him, which I, I'm not going to be too upset about because I, there's not many teams that look competitive against Edwin Diaz. He's the best closer in baseball, no doubt. I'm sorry, Josh Hader. Um, you're 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 out of here. Um, Edwin Diaz has that role now. But so the Braves go to Jackson Stevens. Actually, I want I, let's mention Kirby Yates first because Kirby Yates came in and gave up a run. Then Jackson Stevens came in in the top of the uh top of the ninth inning, and at that point, Braves were down by one run. Everybody's excited. Just get these outs and let's get the bats back up. Uh, I think we were set up to have. I don't I don't remember what part of the lineup we we're in, but I think we were pretty close to like the middle of the lineup. So. You know, we're pretty we're pretty excited for that. And Stevens makes it one third of an inning, gives up three hits and three runs. Um, He wasn't on the mound for that last run. Uh, Tarnock came in and his first battery face was Dan Vogelbeck. And he roped a double off Tarnock and he was flying to second base. Big, big Dan was rolling. But uh, Tarnock, he got a strikeout. But yeah, Jackson Stevens, man, I, I, I get the point because you have to think about longevity. I mean, it's a full season and. You know, guys like guys like Iglesias and Mentor and McHugh, they're all obviously still in the bullpen. So, I mean, you have those guys to go to. Kenley's Kenley's a guy that's not going to pitch unless the game, unless we have a lead or the game's tied. You're, Kenley's not a guy that goes back to back very often, so you don't really waste him. But Stevens did seem a little bit like an interesting choice from the Braves. Have four or five guys that I would put above him on that list. Obviously, Dylan Lee was out because Dylan Lee had pitched. I want to say he pitched the two two innings before that or the inning before that and shut him down, but. You know, I feel like there was other options, and Jackson Stevens just, you know, he's been good this year, and I'm not going to hate on him. The guy has surprised the whole Braves community on how good Jackson Stevens has been, really filling that Luke Jackson-type role as a righty you can kind of rely on, you know, mid, like, like seventh inning, sixth inning type guy to bring in. But, man, this was not his best outing, and it was a bad time to have a bad outing. I didn't like the decision, um, to be honest with you. I didn't really see the benefit of bringing a guy like Jackson Stevens in. I would have much rather seen AJ Minter, somebody like that. So, um, no, that was a little perplexing to me. But no, I get, I get it. I get the the longevity thing, and you're trying to you know play smart. But at the end of the day, those three runs he allowed proved to be crucial in a game where we lost by two. Yeah, because the Braves scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth. Um, so they 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 did come in pretty crucial. Uh. And then the Braves go on to lose the game nine to seven, which is a pain. It knocked us back to what four and a half games back. And as of, as we're talking right now, the Braves are playing, and we are four and a half back. We were winning three to two in the seventh, or last time I checked. So you know things might be bright. We might we might be entering Sunday's episode. Uh, actually, I guess we play another game before then. But um, you know after this episode, we might be three and a half. So you know I, what we're saying right now. If you're listening to it on Friday morning on on your daily commute to work. It might not be valid no more. I got my last couple of Braves notes. Uh, 
as as I was saying, we're we're playing right now on Thursday night, and uh, obviously Max Freed is back. That's one of my notes. He's back from concussion protocol, and he looked great today. Max Freed, other than a Mark Canna two run homer, Max Freed was dominant. Um, so obviously Max is that guy. A concussion was not going to be a type of injury that's going to slow him down any. Um, and he's he's back, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Max was a guy that struggled with injuries early on, but obviously a concussion and the way he got the concussion is not something that's just like a typical thing. So I'm confident he'll be back and rolling with us for the next week, couple weeks. Absolutely. Um, and, and the big news, the big news around the minor leagues right now, um, everybody's going crazy about all these guys we called up. Uh, just wait till you see the guy Alex Antopoulos is about to call up from single A. Or well, I guess AAA now because his next start's going to happen in AAA. Mike Soroka. Mike Soroka pitched his first rehab start in Rome, I want to say Tuesday. And he struck out eight batters in four innings, including the first five. First five batters he faced, he struck out. And his next start that he will make is in Gwinnett. And there's an interesting thing that they came up with. Um, I want to say his, his second start in Gwinnett is scheduled to be on the 31st of August. So they're saying that it is going to happen perfectly lined up with September call-ups. So I was somebody that said, I, I think it might have been last week, I said I would not expect uh, Mike Soroka, or Sunday, Monday, I said I would not expect to see him in the big league club this year. I thought Bryce Elder or Kyle Muller was going to be above him. Um, The way he looked at Rome, I know it's Rome, I know it's high A, high A hitters, but dude, it's still professional hitters, and he went out there and shoved. So, you know, we're about to see Soroka back. We're, we're all pumped up for that. Every Braves fan is pumped up to see Soroka back. He is that guy. He's awesome. He was the ace before Freed. So, you know, we're, 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 we're pumped up for that for sure. Feed me every bit of Mike Soroka. I, I agree. And uh, it's, a, it's a PG podcast, so I'm not going to say anything too weird. But, you know, <clears throat> no, <laughs> no homo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's brave stuff. I, 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 that's good brave talk. That's good brave talk right there, baby. That's good brave talk. Uh, so um, that that that's it on my part. Uh, I'm I'm the I'm the Braves coverage crew, and you know, I Kitty, Kitty Jacob, you know, y'all. I'll let, I'll let y'all play this next little part out. I, I have some thoughts, input. I'll let y'all take the wheel from here. Go at it, boys. Let's dive into some college ball. What do you say, Jacob? Yes, sir. That's what I've been waiting for. Let's go. I know he's been sitting down there quietly. He's been he's been very patient, listening to some <laughs> Braves talk, waiting on his chance to jump in here. And here we go. Um, obviously, if you're a college football fan, you see the top 25, and you know what that means. So we got the AP top 25 to start off the year. A couple surprises on the list, I'll say. Um, as far as diving into this goes, I'll, I'll kind of preface our conversation by saying that uh, we're going to break down and talk about what this top 25 looks like. I also went ahead and put together what I think my top 25 would have looked like. Um, so I'll, I'll do a little more in-depth about that. But before we dive into it, I mentioned um, a guy like Jacob here who is, is a good football mind. He's, he's smart. He knows the game. He's obviously a, a UGA guy and, um, you know, he's got some got some experience in there in the training staff and in the strength and conditioning department so um before we dive into uh, top 25 rankings jacob i want to ask you there's been a lot of talk about georgia coming back this year and uh needless to say a lot of people are down on them now jake and i are on the record multiple times we've done full offensive breakdown full defensive breakdown we've talked about the guys that are returning who we expect to show out the big thing's been this been this defense though 
Everybody's hating on this defense. I know we lost some guys to the draft. Now, Jake and I both agree we're bringing back some pretty significant players, and the guys that are taking some spots are still studs. So um, before we dive into this top 25, I just want to see what you think about that, specifically defensive. Yeah, no, I feel like that's the biggest what if with the, the Bulldogs this year is definitely their defense because we lost how many players to the draft? Like what? You said seven, 20-something? I want to say seven defensive starters oh, yeah. was was, yeah. was our was our draft. But we still – we have – Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, Tyke Smith, who didn't even get to play last year because he had that broken hand, that injury. He's still a, he was like the best safety out of West Virginia, you know, when he came from West Virginia. And you do that's just looking at the stars that have returning. We still have all these like uh, recruits that came up now that are going to be freshmen that are that Bear Alexander, he's going to be a dog. And then even our backups are dogs, you know, like. Last year when we had rotation, there were still dogs coming in when Jordan Davis and um, all of them were sitting out, you know. So I think we'll be I think we'll be sitting fine. That's the thing is, especially a team like Georgia, specifically SEC, when you get into top tier guys, top tier teams, it's like the depth is insane. And you look at the recruiting classes year after year, like we're bringing guys in, but not even really recruits, man. Like, obviously, the recruits are there. Like, we've got the young studs, but. As far as just replacing these guys with even experienced players, like you're going to mm-hmm. get significant play out of guys that saw play last year. Like this defense is still very, very good. And I'm not sitting here saying they're going to be as good as last year because obviously I'm biased, but I'll go ahead and say it. I think last year, that UJ defense, man, I mean, they're in the conversation for greatest college defense of all time. Oh, for sure. I mean, specifically recent history, like nobody's going to argue that. So to say that the defense is going to be as good as last year, like prove me wrong. Like I hope they are, but I can't see them being that good, but saying they're not going to be that good. They still could be the best defensive college football. For sure. I don't see there being a, like a significant enough drop off to make us not win games. Cause our offense is still very strong. We haven't lost much on the offensive side. We've gained a good bit with the tight end pickups and the running backs we have. So I would not – I wouldn't count us out of any game this year. No, absolutely not. And I think Jake and I were both on the record when we did our record breakdowns. We we both had Georgia 12-0. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I want to I put a little input in that because, you know, the biggest weakness that everybody's pointing out in this Georgia defense is the middle linebacker spot. And, you know, we're, we're confident. We got uh, a small small uh, Munden and uh, – Man, I am Dumas Johnson. <laughs> Dumas Johnson. Uh, you know, we have, we have some guys, some guys playing uh middle linebacker this year. But I wouldn't even be concerned about the middle linebacker spot this year because we we will we could go twelve and zero if we just ran out Nolan Smith, Bobby Beal, Jalen Carter, and Zion Logue on the defensive line. That is all we need. Like it, they're not gonna make it to the linebackers. Like I, there's not gonna be a running back in the country that 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 meets small Munden five yards past the line of scrimmage. I don't think so. I mean, everybody in the passing game too, like this pass rush is nuts. Like no one talks about Bobby Beal. Bobby Beal led the team in sacks last year. And didn't, didn't, didn't start every game because uh, we had Mr. Uh, Adam Anderson who did some bad things in life and uh, went to prison. So (laughs) exactly. But a guy like Bobby Beal, no one talks about him, man, led the team in sacks. And I know they don't fill the, the stat sheet up, or that some of the players didn't fill a stat sheet up. Like we talk about Jordan Davis uh, or even Nolan Smith. Like the the numbers were great, but they weren't incredible if you're just a box score watcher. So a guy like Bobby Beal, he's coming back, who led the team in sacks. And then you talk about the secondary, man. I mean, this secondary is nuts. Like as far as 
in the, the passing game goes, like quarterbacks are going to have to stand back there, go through their reads, and they're just not going to have enough time to. Like this pass rush is going to get to you eventually. So if they're not getting to you off the rip immediately, you got these lockdown guys in the secondary. Like, yeah, is linebacker a weaker spot than last year? Sure, we lose Quay Walker, we lose N'Kobe Dean, but we're not really worried about that linebacker spot because we've got quality, quality players coming in to take those spots. And, I mean, linebacker, it – it's never a non-factor. It's the you know the Mike linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about the pass rush and the secondary, like linebacker is the least important spot on this Georgia the defense, and we're not even worried about it with the guys we got. So no, I, I don't think the concern is warranted whatsoever. Also, kind of going back with the middle linebacker kind of spot, I remember when Roquan Smith left, nobody was thinking that Kobe Dean was going to be stepping that role like he did. You know. And but he's sure enough. I mean, some would say no. Kobe Dean was even better, if not like he was right up, right up there with uh, Roquan. So we could have any of these guys that y'all were naming: the small, the Dumas Johnson, Ryan Davis. Any of those could step in and just fill that role perfectly, because we've seen it happen plenty of times before. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would give a little bit more take on this, but uh, I had 69mega.com join my chat and say, tired of being alone, we'll help you. So, I mean, I've, I've kind of kind of invested a little bit into that, try to see try to see what they're trying to talk about. But, uh, you know, I'll talk about something a little bit more excited with Georgia football. So, um, like y'all said, Dumas Johnson, small London, absolute monsters. And the secondary's loaded, man. Uh, the legend Dan Jackson, Keely Ringo, uh, Chris Smith, somebody we didn't talk about. Tyke Smith. I mean, there, there's so many guys that are coming back. I mean, I know that other corner spot, the outside corner, after losing Darion Kendrick to the draft. Um, you know, but there's there's guys out there that's gonna fit in that role fine. And you know, the dog, some dog's gonna roll. That is a fact, and it's gonna happen. Um, that that is my take on that Georgia Georgia defense. Um, so. All right. Well, um, obviously we're we're a local show, so we talk about the dogs as much as we can, and we'll talk about them some more when we get into this. Uh, top 20 top 25 but without further ado man let's dive into it um i know y'all probably got it in front of you you can follow along too if you're listening follow follow along as well um let's start off from the top the number one team getting a whopping 54 total votes of i believe the 63 votes that were available um alabama to start the season off at number one um in the year or uh you know previous rank was number two so they come in here at number one to start the year off so we'll start there what do y'all think about bam at one I think it's hard to disagree. I mean, it's hard to disagree with anything with a Nick Saban-led team, especially when you have Bryce Young coming back and um, Will Anderson on the defensive side. I think that's just hard to disagree with them at one. That's much that hurts me to say it. Alabama, Alabama will be number one throughout the entire regular season of college football. You want to know why? Because Alabama is not going to lose a football game this year. It's not going to happen. Alabama is not going to lose a regular season football game this year. But honestly, it doesn't matter. Because when college football playoff time comes around, and Kirby and the boys come rolling up, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen there. So I, I'm going to say that it, it is deserved. I know that we won the national championship, but there's no denying you lose, what, 14 guys to the NFL draft in one year? I mean, they're... they're there's expect there's expectations for drop off nationally, so I, I'm not gonna go against it too bad. Now, whenever we get to the next ranking, I might. But Alabama yeah. is is if if it's not Georgia at number one, give me Bama all day. 
So before we dive into the number two spot, which is a very controversial spot on this rankings, to say the least, I, I want to make a note. I, I said beforehand, before we got into this, that I also had my top 25, what I thought it should be. So I'll, I'll kind of go pick for pick, tip for tat, um, you know, on this list. Um, at number one on my list, I had UGA there. Um, now, I want to preface my list by saying that my top 25 is not based on my predictions. We've had predictions in episode past where we've talked about full schedule breakdowns, what we think wins and losses and conference standings are going to look like. This is not based on that. This is based on what I believe the rankings should be in the preseason. So predetermined, this is based off of last year. This is based off of offseason acquisitions, coaching changes and everything, which is what the top, what is, it's what the Associated Press does. Um, you know, it's not based off of what we're going to see. So, and this is a team that's later in my, in, in the list on both sides, but I want to mention them as an example. USC. Obviously, USC is going to be a significantly better football team than they were last year because of the transfers and because of bringing Lincoln Riley in. However, USC is not going to be high on this preseason top 25 list because they went 4-8 and eight last year. So because a team like that is probably going to be a contender and a top-tier team, especially considering the conference that they play in, when you talk about a preseason list, this team has not played a game with that new, with their new acquisitions, with their new coaching staff. So as far as the top 25 goes, it's based off a of previous play. They're not going to be highly ranked. So that's just an example. So let's get into it. I had UGA at one. The reason I had UGA at one is because I believe if you're a reigning national champion and you didn't, you know, obviously the, the narrative out there is that we lost everybody, and uh, that's just not the case. So whether either way you look at it, I, my firm belief is that uh, Georgia's the best team in the nation. Um, so, you know, until someone – beats us and proves me wrong um i'm gonna have uj at the number one spot now i'll say that bama they'd be number two on my list i have them number two on my list as well i mean they bring back probably the two best players in college football i mean you talk about the heisman winner and bryce young and probably heisman candidate will anderson um and, and they're led by the greatest coach of all time i mean <laughs> he's got the most titles in college football history so i understand the number one ranking i get it if anything losing to georgia in the national championship makes it even easier to put them in the number one spot for these for these rankings and for the press because anytime Alabama doesn't win at all, it, it, you know, we always say in gambling, you're either hot or you're due. So when Bama doesn't win it, it makes it feel like it makes you feel like they're due. So I understand hundred percent them being at one. I'm not mad about them being number one. I just personally, I feel like, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And you know, when a team beats someone else in a national championship game and the team that loses that starts off the year at number one, I feel like, come on, man. Yeah, I I do agree, but at the next spot, there's there's a team that uh, I don't I don't believe made the college football playoff last year. If if, if my if my memory serves me right, and uh, you know my research serves me right, which I didn't have to do no research on this because the boys in uh gold and navy blue or whatever color that is, it's navy blue and yellow, whatever yellow gold. That's who Georgia played in the college football playoff last year under the Big Ten, but for some reason they put somebody else there. Um. This is your spot, Kenny, but I gave a little bit of uh, gave a little foreshadowing to you what you're about to say. And, you know, I'm sorry to everybody listening to the podcast. Side. You're about to have to sit through this sadness of this team being ranked number two in the preseason AP poll. And number two team in the AP top 25 poll to kick off the year is Ohio State. What are we uh, doing? It, what are we doing? College football playoff contender, maybe? The number two team in the country? Possibly, if you prove more, number two team in the country going into the season, 
No way in hell on God's green earth would I ever put them at number two because they have a great quarterback. I don't care. They gave up like 25 points a game last year. I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about Ohio State. But, oh. you know, the AP poll, it doesn't matter. But, you know, we're covering it. Obviously, whenever the college football playoff committee comes in and starts grading stuff, then we'll actually start to, you know, be a little bit more caring. But this is something that kind of hit a little close to home because, you know, they rank them about the boys in the red and the black. And that seems a little goofy. Yeah, no, I I think Jake covered it all right there. There's there's nothing about that Ohio State team that tells me they're better than UGA. It, not one bit. I mean, yeah, they got CJ Stroud, they got a great wide receiver core, but like not one thing about not one proven thing has shown me that they're better than UGA. No. And and I just mentioned that I had UGA at my number one, Bam at my number two. I did have Ohio State at my number three. Um I'll say this. They're twenty three and one under Ryan Day. I get it. And that's regular season play. Um, so I, I get it. Not regular season play, excuse me, conference play. Um, and that's because the Big Ten sucks. It's I was horrible. Just to say. Boom! Drop it on the head. Drop I was it on just the head. Just like that. It's a garbage conference, man. Like Michigan last year, they had Aiden Hutchinson, they had David Ajabo. That's all they had. Like that team sucked, man. They got routed by us in the Orange Bowl. I would say we saw what Aiden Hutchinson did against Georgia. Exactly. Like, dude. Like nothing. You, when the only bit, the only perk, the benefit of your team, or the strong point of your team is the pass rush, like team, especially good teams like UGA, they can limit pass rush. Like no one, nothing. I don't think any of us on this podcast are going to sit here and tell you that Aiden Hutchinson isn't a stud, isn't a dominant player. But one stud. Defensive player, pass rusher specifically, going up against an SEC team, an SEC offensive line with SEC coaches and top-tier scheming, they're going to figure out how to work around you, man. So when you see a team like like freaking Michigan get in there, like, oh, my gosh. Like, no, the Big Ten is horrible. So I'll say this, 23-1 and in conference play under Ryan Day. Um, I Me personally, and I think every, y'all will agree with me, I don't expect them to lose – two in a row to Michigan. Um, they outscored Utah in the Rose Bowl game, and Utah's a really good team. They have an obvious, a very obvious Heisman candidate with C.J. Stroud. He's a stud. No one will tell you differently. And uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is probably the best receiver in college football. I mean, he had 350 yards in the bowl game last year. But the defense is horrible. We said it. I mean, the defense, I think, will be better this year. But it's hard to grade a Big Ten team, man, because when your defense – you say the defense gets better, but the rest of the conference got worse. So when you come out there, they're going to have better numbers. Is that because the defense is better, or is that because the conference got significantly worse? Like, I think they're a top three team. I do. I'm, I'm not going to tell you otherwise, but by no means should they be in the number two spot. And I cannot believe they got six votes for number one opposed to Georgia's three. Like, who are these guys? <laughs> They they are not knowledgeable people. I think I think that's the biggest thing is they they don't know what they're talking about because I remember and I'm I'm gonna go and start off by saying that the Big Ten is the ugliest football you will ever watch in college football. I would rather watch an American conference. I'm, I'm okay. This this is just playing because I, I I I watch Big Ten because they rank and they matter. But the Big Ten is it's just not that fun of football to watch to me. It's ugly and. Everybody was talking about Michigan going into the Georgia game. Oh, their running back is going to run on you. Their 
nobody stopped him all year. He runs on everybody. Because you're playing Ohio State. Like, you're playing that defense. <laughs> wow, you played Mel Tucker's Michigan State team who would play probably probably play a, a one-possession game against Missouri. Like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. But, you know, they did it, and, you know, they, I guess they're going to roll with it all the way up until after week one, whenever Georgia destroys Oregon by 42. And Ohio State probably has a struggle fest against whoever the hell they're playing. Ohio State plays Notre Dame week one. Oh, yeah, it's a struggle so fest. It's they will definitely fest. struggle. And there you go. Um, needless to say, the number three team on the list is Georgia. You've got our opinions there, so we can skip right over that. Um, number four on the list is Clemson. Um, this one could be taken controversially, depending on where you stand on the spectrum. Um, I personally did have Clemson at four for me as well, so I don't have anything bad to say about it. And Jacob and I were kind of talking about this off air before we got started. There's a big uh, – I hate to call it a misconception, but it really is kind of a misconception about this Clemson team because they've been so good. And they've had these, I mean, honestly, Clemson's just really had crazy quarterbacks. Like, you go from Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, like, dude, you hit the lottery. So, and then you bring in a guy like, like, like DJ who, you know, when he played for Trevor in the two games where Trevor was out a couple years ago, he looked really good and then had the weird year last year. Like, I think DJ's a good player. And then you bring in a guy like Clay, Cade Klubnick as well who, you know, I don't know if it's a quarterback battle, but if DJ doesn't play well and they put Cade in, like, He's probably, you know, a, a top-tier quarterback as well. And we haven't seen him play a snap, but just the kind of player we know he is recruiting-wise. So I did have Clemson at four as well. I'm not going to argue it. Um, some points for me before I get y'all's opinions on this. Um, I had Clemson at four just because it says a lot about a, pro a program that wins 10 games and a bowl game, and they're considered a disappointment. Like, we're so used to this Clemson team being a college football playoff contender every year, so that when they're not and they still win 10 games, it's like, it's easy to say to write them off and say this team's washed, but I, I just don't think it's the case. Um, one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time in Brent Venables, he's gone. He's the head coach at Oklahoma now, um, offensive coordinator Tony Elliott. He's uh, Virginia's new head coach as well. Um, but I think Clemson's probably going to be the ACC favorite, in, in, or I guess they are, but in my opinion, I think they're deserving of the ACC favorite. Um, the key point for me is can, can DJ hold off Klubnik for the starting quarterback job? Um, I think he's got the edge just because of experience and time in the program. But like I said, if you see a slip up, I think you could see Klubnik come in there. Um, so I want to get y'all's opinions on this uh, and Ohio State as well. And I'll ask uh, just this broad question. What do you think about Clemson being the number four team on the AP poll? Where would you have them? And what do you think about Ohio State? Um, if we swap Georgia at two, like we all think should be, would you have Ohio State at three? I'll let you I'll get this one first, Jake. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take it. I would definitely have Ohio State at three. And kind of like you said, we were talking about this off air. Um, I didn't really – I didn't agree with Clemson at four until I kind of thought about who we would put there instead of Clemson, obviously. Right. And then I was looking at the teams, and I was like, yeah, that's probably right. But now that I, I just looked at their schedule from last year, Clemson lost every single game except for one that they played against a ranked opponent. And that just, I don't know, that something about that's iffy to me. Like, I know that was a down year for them or whatever, but, like, they're also, we just talked about the Big Ten. They're also playing teams like Georgia Tech and Syracuse, Boston College, SC State, you know, like, no, SC State's not ACC, but still. Like, last year was probably one of the best years for ACC football. 
and that was one of the years that they struggled the most. So That's again, fair. I still I still don't know who I would put over them at four, other than maybe A and M, maybe. Yeah. But that's my only concern with Clemson at four is they, I don't know, they still, the one year that ACC actually has a decent conference, they kind of, that, that was their biggest off down year, you know? So I would still have them at four, but I'm not confident about it. No, I, I think that's fair. Jake? Okay, so Clemson. Um, obviously, um, I'm going to go back to our college football playoff predictions that we did, uh, one of our first episodes we did, and I had Clemson making the college football playoff. Um, I, I, I don't question, um, or I under, I understand the, you know, the thoughts on not having them ranked that high because obviously we're, we're dogging Ohio state. And if we want to talk about a team that had even more of a disappointing season last year than Ohio state, it would be a Clemson and Clemson last year, like record wise, they play good football. Obviously that defense is something serious and, um, they do lose Brett Venables to Oklahoma taking that head coaching job. But, uh, you know, I, the the whole coaching thing to me has been kind of wild by fans. Obviously, the AP top twenty five do not really worry about them losing their OC and DC. But to me, like, how do we know Dabo is just not a damn good coach? Like, I mean, I, I I'm gonna say that you, you see Kirby Smart and we lost Mel Tucker. We're like, oh, we lost Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker is the best defensive coordinator in college football. Guess what? The defense is fine. We lose Dan Lanning this year to Oregon. Guess what? I guarantee you the defense is going to be fine because we have Kirby Smart as our head coach and whoever he brings in under his wing is going to be great. And I feel like it's going to be the same situation that Dabo runs into with Clemson. Um, Obviously, we talked about last year. Uh, The ACC is tough, man. I mean, we made fun of it years prior saying it was the easiest conference in college football, but you have a Pittsburgh now. You have a Miami now. You have a Wake Forest now. You have a, wait, you have so many different schools now that are that just you have NC State now. I mean, there's there's so many different schools in the ACC that could play legit. Even a Florida State can sneak up on you now. Like Florida State beat Miami last year whenever Miami had Tyler Van Dyke. So, and that Miami team with Tyler Van Dyke was legit. They played some really, really good football. So, you know, this Clemson team, and the biggest question mark to me, this team could either be ranked fourth or this team could be ranked 24th at the end of the year. That's how big of their gap is to me because it all revolves around. DJ, you go la 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 whatever his name is. Uh, that guy, that guy that plays quarterback there. Um, to me, it all it all revolves around him. But number one quarterback recruit, if DJ comes out and sucks, which is likely because he sucked all last year. Sorry, DJ. Um, this kid come in and play with a top five defense in college football. Good recruiting class. And absolutely dominate that conference. And I I am leaning more towards the side that DJ is going to be all right. And he's going to take over the helm this year and keep it and, you know, return back to himself whenever he was back up for Trevor Lawrence. But they have backup options. And obviously, backup options are always nice because uh, <clears throat> JT Daniels went down, uh, you know, got hurt. And we had a guy named Stetson Bennett. Stequavius Bennett, as some may call him, with the straight hairline and the biggie t-shirt. but. Don't never doubt the guys you have sitting on the bench. You might think you had this superstar up and comer, and that guy you have sitting on the bench might come in and win you a national championship. So Clemson's that team to me this year. They're that team that's looking for a big bounce back, and I think they have enough to do it. I would have them ranked at number f- Oh, I would have. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would have Ohio State ranked three. I, I never got to that one. I would definitely have them ranked three. I would probably still have Clemson uh, 
I would put Clemson at number seven right now in the country. I would bump, I would bump A and M up to okay, maybe six. I would bump A and M up to four, Utah up to five, Clemson to six, and Notre Dame at seven would be where I would probably go. All right. Um. Well, let's get into number five. Um. Number five is a just piss poor selection. Awful. This is so bad, man. Um. I, I don't like this team at all. I don't like their schedule. I don't like anything about them. Um, and they're here every year. They're another Ohio State team where it's like it's their year to win it. Um, number five on the AP Top 25 poll headed into the year is Notre Dame. Um, so before we get into that, I'll go ahead and tell you that Notre Dame is not number five on my list. Um, they're, I mean, they're, I guess, relatively close, but... No, man. Notre Dame is not a top five team in the country, and it doesn't matter how you ask me if you present it to me on a platter with different options. Like, no way. No way in hell is Notre Dame a top five team in the country. That's absurd. Um, I personally had A&M at number five. Um, we've talked about A&M a lot on this podcast. Uh, they, you know, Obviously, we cover a lot of SEC ball. The injuries killed them. They're going to do nothing but get better this year. So, no, I, I absolutely would have A&M at my number five instead of Notre Dame. What do you all think about the uh, god-awful selection of Notre Dame at five? Jacob, you roll uh, with it first. All right, yeah. I um, I was thinking about this before I came on the podcast about how ridiculous it is that Notre Dame continuously gets this national media like praise for no reason. Like, when is the last time that Notre Dame's been ranked high that they've actually been a good team in the past? I don't know, maybe ever since Bama dog walked them in the national championship, like saving second year there. Like, when is when has Notre Dame ever been good since then? They haven't. They just get this national praise for being a historic football program. And it's, I think the last time Notre Dame was a good team was Manta Teo. Yeah, and that's that's when Bama beat them like forty-two to yeah. eight in the playoff or the national championship. But still, really, really weren't even that good of a team, you know. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that. It's like the USC's and I mean USC. I feel like they're probably gonna be good this year, but I feel like they're also one of those teams that's always same with Michigan, uh, Oregon, Oklahoma. They're always like Miami. historically Miami. Thank you. They're always historically ranked higher than what they really should be just because of their history, which is just not. I don't know. I feel like for you to be the big AP poll, you can't go off of history. You just oh god. I don't care either way you cut it, man. Like Notre Dame can't be a top five team in the country. To no. if if you know anything about football, like these guys are here for a reason. Like they are, they've been around the block a time or two. They know football. They know ball. They know the game. They know college. How can you have a board of multiple upon multiple people, and they come into a unanimous agreement that Notre Dame is a top five team in the country? When you look at teams like following them in the list, like A and M, Utah. Baylor, Oregon, NC State, like like team. Every single one of those teams that I named, I could make an argument that they're better than Notre Dame. Oh yeah, for sure. Have y'all looked at Notre Dame's schedule? Speaking of them this year, it's a gauntlet. I was gonna say they might be five right now, but they we already mentioned they open up with Ohio State. Uh, they got to play BYU, which I mean BYU is not great, but they're also not a dog walk. They're not. It's not easy. They got to play Stanford. They got to play Clemson, USC at USC. They're not. They, I don't care what they're ranked at now. They're not going to be five at the end of the year. No. Yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a funny one to me because 
I, I completely agree with you guys that Notre Dame gets the treatment of, okay, these are the guys we're going to put in the college football playoff for Alabama to face in the first round just so they can blow them out and make the national championship. Um, shout out to Alabama fans. Y'all are welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, whenever I was just listing my teams off, I put Notre Dame high up there because you know Notre Dame is one of the schools that has to really, really mess up for them to get hate when it comes to top 25s and college football playoff ratings and stuff um notre dame is a school that always gets love and to me i know y'all said monte teo days but even okay i'm gonna throw it back a little bit not as far as monte teo notre dame was a decent school decent football team when ian book was their starting quarterback Notre Dame is no longer that tier. And that was still the tier that was getting beat by Bama 40-something to 10. They are worse than they were then. And they are still ranked in the top top five in a better college football world to me all the way around when you have teams like A&M and Utah. I mean, there's 10 teams on this thing that I could... There's probably 15 teams on here that I could see making the college football playoff right now. And... I don't know if I would have Notre Dame as one if they didn't get as much notoriety as they did. We're all in agreement there. Um, all right, moving on the list, number six, Texas A&M. I think all three of us are pretty high on A&M. And, um, you know, I, I get six. Like I said, I had them at five um, ahead of Notre Dame just because it's Notre Dame. But um, I think six is a fair ranking for A&M. I don't have any any hate there. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, don't have no, I don't have no hate either. Uh, obviously we talk about the quarterback situation. Calzada's gone, but Haynes King and uh Max Johnson, I want to say right. Yep. Haynes King and Max Johnson are in a fierce, fierce battle at the quarterback spot. Obviously, I'm I'm on teams Haynes King and uh, it's right. You can't you can't rank three SEC teams in the top four. It it, it only makes sense. You have to have, you know, you can do the East and the West. You can have one team from each, but you can't put two West teams in the top four. Like. Logically, it just, you know, it, it makes sense to have them hanging around at the six spot. Yeah. I think I think they're better than six, but, um, you know, you're not going to get any flack from me on that. Um, I will say at my number six spot uh, for my top 25 rings, I had Utah here. Um, I look at a team like Utah. They lost a Rose Bowl last year. They got a quarterback in Cameron Rising who's a solid player, and he's working with one of the best rushing teams in the country. I mean, you bring back a running back in Tavion Thomas who had 21 rushing touchdowns last year. Um. I think they're the clear number one team for me, or number two team, I'm sorry, for me in the Pac-12. I have them behind USC. And like I said, um, obviously I've got them ranked above USC in my top 25 poll because USC went 4-8 and eight last year. Like They've got a lot of turnaround to, to cover to, to work their way up rankings. But I, I think on paper they're a better football team. But, no, I had Utah at the number six spot. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Texas A&M, Utah, they're interchangeable for me. I do yeah. like, hey, just like you said, we're SEC boys. I do like A&M a little bit. I'd give them a slight edge. But I am excited for week one to see Utah uh, smack up on the Florida Gators. Hey, man, we've been, we've been preaching that from the beginning. Because Utah has – they have a team. and they're they have very good. Yeah, they are. Gator fans, uh, I'm sorry. That, that that's that that is that is that is what I'm going to say from Utah's behalf. Um, y'all are gonna get beat by uh if 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 the spread was Utah minus forty, I would take Utah. So um, but yeah, Utah, Utah's legit, man. Utah is a team to me that has a very strong possibility of sneaking into that college football playoff. No doubt to me, it's Utah and USC 
are two teams I look at that are like, okay, they could both possibly go undefeated, and whenever they face off in that in that um, championship game, it is going to be electric, and they have a way to get in. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun over there. I want to say this before I dive into the next one. I just pulled up FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, Utah's favored by two and a half. Give that to me. Yeah. Feed me two and a half. Yeah. Utah's- I'll do I might I might do an alternate spread. Give me ten. Yeah, give me Utah twenty two and a half. Exactly. Two and a half? Two and a half. Against Anthony Richardson? <laughs> Get a minus one thirty seven on the money. Florida line. Savior? Anthony Richardson that came out against Georgia and looked like absolute buns and Florida fans said, Oh, this is our guy. He's gonna beat y'all. Yeah, right. That guy's Four. trash. You pull Tebow's 15 off the rafters and hang it on this guy's back. That's how good he is. There won't be too much more Florida slander in here because there's not going to be many opportunities to talk about Florida in the top 25 rankings. I, I just wanted to say that before we get going any farther. That's well said. Um, moving on from Texas A&M to six, uh, Utah's at seven. Um, again, you're not going to get any any – Anything for me on seven. I mean, I, like I said, I had them at six, but you just see Notre Dame slipping down my list farther and farther. So Utah seven, I don't have any argument to that. I've already discussed Utah. I'm straight on them. Yeah, I think we said what needs to be said. I'll say seven on my list was Baylor. I had Baylor at seven, uh, big t- Big Twelve champion. Uh, they're bringing back pretty much everybody. They've got a solid quarterback, twenty-seven touchdowns. Um, and then they had another guy come in, uh, Blake Shapin, who came in in the uh, t- title game and threw three tuds as well. So I like Baylor. I'm pretty high on them, especially considering the conference they play in, where I don't think the competition is very strong. So I had them at seven. Um, and that leads us into number eight uh, on the AP Top 25 poll. Number eight is Michigan. Um, my just open, honest opinions on Michigan, I don't think I don't think they're a great football team, but um, – you know, I look at the teams around them, and if you're basing it off of previous success and what you've got, they certainly are not eight on my list. Um, they're farther back than that. I don't hate Michigan today. I don't. I, I mean, I, do I think it's – I don't think they're the eighth best team in the country, but I think Michigan at eight is a better ranking than Notre Dame at five or Ohio State at two. Yeah, I completely agree. Honestly, give me Notre Dame at Michigan on a cold night. I'm taking Michigan every single day. I don't. I agree. I don't think Michigan's the best. I don't think they're an eight worthy, but I definitely would take them over a few, a few teams higher on that list. Um, I do also think they earned that that rating mainly because of what they did last season. No, and I'm glad you mentioned Notre Dame and Michigan um, because I had Notre Dame at my eight spot on this on my top twenty five rankings. Yeah, that's respectable. Yeah. Um, Michigan. Uh, Michigan is is a good football team. I, I I'm not gonna dog Michigan too much. I know that we as dogs dogged them in the college football playoff last year, but I I do think Michigan is a is a solid uh college team. And we look at the teams ranked behind them. I I don't see them. I'm not gonna say that they're better than them teams, but I think that they put up fair fights against all those teams, and that's mostly what I look look at whenever, as I talked about earlier, how deep college football is this year. Um. You know, some of these things can go different ways. And like Jacob had said, with the season they had last year, I think I think it's deserved to go ahead and thump there at the eight spot. Yeah. All right. Um, um, let me, one more thing. I will say Michigan this year, the schedule they have, I don't think they lose a game to Ohio State. I no. Mean, 
I mean, like we said, also they're still playing in the Big Ten, but Michigan State's going to be their biggest um, like obstacle till then. But I don't think they lose game till Ohio State. Yeah, I still think you're going to see that that three man race in the Big Ten between those three teams. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, before we move on, I, I want to touch on this. Uh, the top eight on the AP poll, they have it separated by points as well. So you see like a – it's like a tier list of how points go. Um, so you go from Bama at 1566 to Ohio State at 1506, Georgia at 1455. Those top three are obviously heaviest voted and heaviest graded teams as far as the top 25 goes. There's a significant drop-off after this eight spot on the top 25 poll. Um, so it's kind of a, a of a – dog fight from nine to 14 on the top 25 list they had them all pretty close um i thought that was pretty interesting um and i'm doing my personal list as well my top eight was almost the same as the ap top eight obviously in different order the only difference is i had baylor in my top eight um they did not they had notre dame um a little bit higher than i had them and they had michigan at eight while i had notre dame at eight so the biggest difference for me is is baylor there now um, getting off of that, moving to number nine. Number nine on, on the preseason top 25 list is Oklahoma. I'm not crazy about this pick either. I'm not high on Oklahoma whatsoever. They are uh, significantly lower than this on my list. So um, I, I, I don't think that's a good pick there. Completely agree. Honestly, give me give me two big 12 teams. and Give me Baylor and Oklahoma State over Oklahoma at this point. Oklahoma I mean, State's my number nine team. Yeah, Dylan Grapeville, I don't – yeah, he might have done things at UCF, but this is a whole different ball game. I don't trust him at all in this aspect. I like I said, give me they're maybe the in my eyes, they're the third best team in that conference. Yeah. And and that's that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Seems like we're kind of, you know, eye for eye on this. I had Oklahoma State at nine, definitely giving them the edge over Oklahoma on my list by a significant margin. Um so Oklahoma State at nine. Now, I had my nine and ten were kind of a, a pick em. You can kind of flip-flop my nine and ten. Now, I'll mention ten after we get to this, but Jake, what do you think about Oklahoma at nine? Oklahoma at nine. So, Oklahoma at nine is an interesting one to me. Obviously, this is a ranking that's based off of their past success. I mean, Oklahoma to me, again, I feel like they're kind of getting a Notre Dame treatment right here of, okay, this team was good, and they were good more recently than, Oklahoma, than uh, Notre Dame was, but I see a little promise in Oklahoma. Um, we talk about Oklahoma in that conference. Uh, Oklahoma was one of the worst defenses in that conference, and they go out and they get Brett Venables to be their head coach from Clemson. And I know I was talking about maybe Dabo is just a great coach, but I mean, you bring a guy like Venables in, and maybe he can you can find a spark in that defense. And I know you said Dylan Gabriel, Jacob. I know you said Dylan Gabriel did some stuff at UCF. I am uh somebody that's pretty high on Dylan Gabriel. I think that he could fit that system well, which I don't know how the system's really gonna work now because they don't have Lincoln Riley anymore. But if 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 they do something, I, I do think he's a talented quarterback. Um I do think he's probably a top twenty quarterback in college football, which I mean there's hundreds of te- like there, there's there's so many teams in college football. Um I do think he's he's one of the probably a top 25% quarterback in college football. So I, I think that he can make a little bit of noise over there, especially in a conference that does not play much defense. Um, do either one of y'all know Oklahoma, their OC right now? Ooh. Oklahoma's OC. I see. I mean, I just it's Jeff Levy, but I didn't know. If, I've never – I haven't heard of that name in a while. I've never heard of that name. No clue. Okay. So I think that's my – that's Oklahoma's going to – 
that's what's going to determine their success because Venable, I do not think, is going to be the offensive coach that they need. And, I mean, we can disagree, but I don't think that QB is going to get them, not by himself. Now, give him a good OC, maybe. He might do something, but I think it, their their success is going to depend on Jeff Levy, whoever that is. Yeah. I'm with you, Jacob. I have Oklahoma as the number three team in the Big 12. Yeah. I respect um, it. I respect it. That's fine. Uh, he, he was the OC at Ole Miss from 2020 to 2021, by the way. He just saw that, yeah. All right, so Oklahoma at nine. Let's move into the next. Obviously, I had Oak State at nine. Um, number 10 on the AP list is Baylor. Um, I, love, I, I like this. I, I like Baylor at 10. I had them higher. I think I may be in the minority. I may be a little bit higher on Baylor than others. But um, Baylor at 10, no complaints for me. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I would say is I they could be higher. I'd put them. I know you had them even higher than I would, but I'd put them at nine, maybe even eight above Michigan. I mean, I, they, they look very good. Baylor's a team that, to me that always plays tough football. It does not matter who Baylor plays. Baylor is going to play a good football game against nearly anybody in the country. It, it's kind of a weird aspect to them that they they kind of bring to the game and uh i i'm with jacob on this i would probably put them higher um to me there's no reason that oklahoma should be ranked higher than baylor but they are um again we talk about school at notre dame they probably shouldn't be ranked, ranked higher than baylor but they are um baylor is a team that is going to move up these rankings relatively quickly i believe and i think at some point during this year they might find themselves in that five spot maybe even top four I don't think that's a bad take at all. Um, one thing I'll hit on at this number 10 spot that I wanted to mention previously, I said my my 9 and 10 were interchangeable either way you look at it. I'm very high on this team, so I'll strap on my boots and, and hop on the horse and, and preach this every single episode if I have to. Um, I, you move in from, from Baylor, obviously, at 10 that we just mentioned. Number 10 on my list is NC State. Um, NC State is a little bit of a controversial pick at 10 for me because I could have them higher than 10. I like the NC State team. I like them a lot. Um, so I have a little bit of notes here I want to go over. Now, anybody that's listened to the podcast, you know I've talked about this NC State team again. I think they're primed for a good 2022. Um, you bring back quarterback in Devin Leary. This dude, in my opinion, is going to be a Heisman candidate. And I have a little stat breakdown for you. Devin Leary is coming back after a 3,500-yard, 35-touchdown, five-interception season. Um, and their defense was ranked in the top 20 nationally. In 2021, they're bringing back 10 starters on the defensive side of the ball. Um, NC State is going to do nothing but get better, and I love their quarterback. Devin Leary, obviously, is a stud. So I have NC State at my number 10 spot um, right there behind Oklahoma State. Um, so, um, again, the X factor so far, if you're comparing my list to the AP list, is uh, still no uh, um, Notre Dame fell back on my list. That kind of changed things out for me a little bit. So I don't know what y'all think about that. I know. I I may be in the minority here, but what do y'all think about NC State? Yeah, I think they're a great team. I wouldn't put them as high as what you did, but I think I think NC State probably from what they've proved in the past season, I think they've earned that 13 spot. And I think that that's a perfect ranking for them and what they are, what the AP poll said that they are. Um. But I do think that they have – this is definitely their chance this year to bump their way up into that next tier of teams. 
NC State. Um, NC State to me is is a very very interesting one because um, there are teams in front of them that I could see them jumping ahead of, but there are also teams behind them that I could see jumping NC State. That that is the hard thing with NC State. I'm high on NC State too. I think that Devin Leary is an absolute stud. Um, but I, it's it's just so tough because we look at the teams that are ranked behind NC State. And I'm not going to give no preview because I know we're going ranked like tier by tier. Man, this top 25, we have teams down there ranked at, I mean, I'm just looking at night, like 20, 20 to 25, even 20 to 25 are some good college football teams. So, you know, NC State's a team that I feel like could either make it or fail. Like, I mean, it, it's it's one of those one of those teams to me that I think that the upside is definitely there to be a team that's like, okay, come college football playoff time, is this a team that we put in here? Or is it a team that, you know, isn't even in the rankings at the end of the year. It's 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 going to be a tough thing for NC State. I'm I'm more on the side of them being towards the upper echelon, but I feel like they still have that potential to be farther down the rankings near the end of the year. Yeah, no, that's fair. And um, like I, I, I want to say before we talk about a tougher ACC too than than past yeah, years. The ACC is definitely fair. tougher nowadays. I could almost argue that the ACC years ago, like two years ago, I would say the ACC was the worst. Power Five conference in college football. Now, I might make an argument that ACC is the second toughest conference in college football. I mean, the Big Ten is tough, but I mean, I don't know, man. You have Miami, Pittsburgh, NC State, Clemson. Like, there, Wake Forest. There are some teams in the ACC that can play legit football, and they are going to be fun to watch this year. That's the thing about the ACC year in, year out, is there's always like three or four teams that are really, really good football teams. And it's just the rest of the ACC that's absolute garbage. Yeah. Uh, this, and, and, you know, that changed a little bit. Like you just said, you bring in there's, – there's more quality teams in the ACC than that have been there in the past. So that kind of balances the conference a little bit. I think quarterback play plays a big part in that too. The ACC nowadays has some of the best quarterback play you will watch. Some of these teams, yeah. like you just said, Devin Leary um, – I know Wake Forest. I'm, you know, I'm really saddened to hear by the news of, from their quarterback how he had the. Uh, then he had like the medical issue that they found during a physical or something, and now he won't be. He's out for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Non football related medical issue. Yeah, you know, we, we never like to hear that on the podcast, even if it was a, you know, a rival of ours. We that type of stuff sucks, and uh, you know, it stinks to see. I mean, even like I, I'm obviously on the podcast. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> boy, Dooley. Dooley, Dooley, Dooley in the NC background. State. He um, don't like NC State. For the podcast, for the podcast, oh, <laughs> for the podcast side of things, uh, I, I want to mention Jacob has his has his dog Dooley in the background, and Dooley just straight up cussed out what I was about to say because I was about to say <laughs> a Miami team with a with a quarterback that I am highly on the podcast. You know, I've I've always spoke highly of him. He's my sleeper Heisman candidate with Tyler Van Dyke. So I mean. The ACC, man, if you want to watch some good quarterback play, this might be the conference that you might want to turn on. No, for sure, for sure. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, so the top 10, like I said, the top eight really was a little bit tighter, and I know we spent a, a pretty significant amount of time breaking down these teams individually, so we'll speed it up a little bit for y'all as we get lower in the list. Um, I know there's a couple we're going to hit on, but right here in the middle, a lot of these teams, in my opinion, you can kind of flip-flop, you know, these teams are probably deserving of being in the realm that they're in, so you're not going to get too much argument from me. Um, so let's move into uh, number 11, rounding out the top 10 with Baylor. Um, number 11 on the AP Top 25 is Oregon. Um, mm. Mm. 
So or Oregon, they're a weird team to me. Um, obviously, Crystal Ball, he's gone. They bring in Dan Lanning, who uh, just won the Natty with Georgia as the defensive coordinator. Bo Nix is the quarterback now. SEC fans, we know Bo Nix. Um, so Oregon at eleven. Um, I'll be honest, I had them at twelve, so I don't think it's a horrible rating. Um. And the only reason I had them at 12 is because my number 11 spot is where I had Michigan on my list. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'll go a little bit into Oregon. Um, I'm going to jump the gun right here and say that they, they finished the season unranked. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I respect the ranking at 11 right now because of the season they had last year. Obviously they had a great year, but that was with Mario Cristobal, who's one of the better head coaches in college football. And, um, I'm not going to say that they had a downgraded quarterback. Yeah, obviously, Anthony Johnson was really, really hit or miss at Oregon. But I feel like Anthony Johnson's game was really beneficial for Oregon. And Bo Nix is the same way. Bo Nix is one, like, obviously, last year, he had one of, like, the longest streaks in college football of not throwing interception. Like, Bo Nix can play solid football. I just don't see this Oregon team holding up this year with, with the Utah and a USC in that same conference. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Same with everything you said, especially the Bo Nix thing. Bo Nix is very inconsistent. When he's mm-hmm. hot, he's very hot. But when he's cold, he is extremely cold. And I do – I love Dan Lanning, especially being a dog. I think he's a great coach. But I don't think he turns – I don't think he keeps a top-10 team or produces a top-10 team in his first year. Mm-hmm. Give him a few years, I think he'll be up there. But not in this moment. But I do respect the ranking of it, Oregon. I could see them at 11 – Anywhere from 11 to 13. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. Um, so Oregon at 11, let's head into number 12. Uh, number 12 for me, uh, this is a team, at, and Oklahoma State is, is 12 on the, uh, on the AP Top 25 list. Um, Oklahoma State is a team to me that is, uh, is deserving of a higher rating than 12 in my opinion. I had them at 9, obviously. I already mentioned that, and I just mentioned that I had Oregon at 12. So flip or flop those. I mean, twelve. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's horrible. There's certainly other rankings on this list that are way worse. Um, but you know, Oklahoma State at twelve. I think they're a better team than twelve, uh, especially with the teams that the AP poll had ahead of them. Um, I think they're a better team than Oregon. So, uh, and that's obviously the case in my rankings as well. So, what do y'all think about Oklahoma State being at twelve? Yeah, no, I agree. They could definitely be higher, but. There's that's so close that it's you can't really argue it too much. It makes sense now, but they will finish the season higher than twelfth, no doubt in my mind. They they play too good of football in that conference. When you're playing with Texas and Oklahoma, who I honestly think Oklahoma State's a better team than. Um, obviously, we talk about a Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. You know that might, you know th- them two together. You know that might be a pretty close matchup, but. Still, I mean, Oklahoma State has, to me, they they are pretty close to Baylor, right? If if not better, I'm not going to say who the better team is, but I mean, it's it's close. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, so that's Oklahoma State at twelve. Let's move into thirteen. Thirteen is NC State on the AP poll. Obviously, uh, my hot take of the year is I'm riding on the NC State train. I had them, I had them a little bit higher at ten, but um, no argument for me at thirteen. I think that's a pretty accurate grading for them. Um, I think they'll finish the year higher than thirteen. 
Yeah, I've already said I agree completely with them being at 13. This is their season to prove it. I'm not, I don't know if they will prove it, but this is their season to prove if they're in that next tier. So I think 13 is perfect for them. Yeah, I covered NC State a little bit too earlier. Uh, obviously, I said that I feel like their, their ceiling's high, but I also feel like their floor is pretty low. So, you know, I'm in that middle category with NC State. But I do feel like the ranking at 13 is fair. It's a fair ranking to me. All right, moving off of 13, let's head into 14. 14 is a little controversial in my opinion. Um, I think this is a good team, or will be a good team. I can't say is. Um, 14 on the AP Top 25 poll is USC. Um, a lot of people are high on them. I'm a little bit high on them. Jake and I both are. We've mentioned it in past podcasts. I think you know that you bring in Lincoln Riley, who's one of the better coaches in college football. You bring in that quarterback, man. You bring in the transfers that you have, and obviously the recruits that you're going to get with having a guy like Lincoln Riley there. His system is proven. Um, he scores points, and in the Pac-12, points are going to win you games. Defense is not really the biggest commodity in the Pac-12. So, um However, with me saying that, um, I think 14 on a preseason top 25 list for USC is absurd. I think they should be lower than 14. Um, I have them a good bit lower than that. Like I said, in my opinion, your top 25 lists aren't solely based on what you think the team is going to perform. Because the preseason top 25 list, y'all, is not us. This isn't our... This isn't us guessing at what our final week top 25 is going to be. That's not what this list is. This list is starting the season off based on what you've seen. And for me, it's just utterly impossible to put a 4-8 and eight team, no matter who they bring in, um, at 14. So I'll leave it at that. What do you all think? Jake, um, I'll let you go first. Dooley's kind of growling back here. I'll keep my mic muted until he lays back down. <laughs> I got you, dog. Uh, NC State. I said NC State. I'm tripping. That is my bad. USC. Um, USC, to me, I agree with you on the aspect of them not being they preseason probably should not be ranked as high. I understand a top 25 ranking because of the offseason moves. I would probably lean more towards the 20 to 25 range. Me personally, somewhere near the back end. But I mean, it, it's, it's an aggressive move, but it's something that we saw with schools like Miami and stuff. Obviously, whenever Miami had played Alabama in that, in that Chick-fil-A kickoff game a couple of years back, uh, Miami was ranked really, really high, and everybody said it was Miami's year. They were going to make a bounce back, and they got dominated and did not play good ball that whole year, and they really have not found their rhythm you know, yet. So uh, Miami's a team like that. But uh, USC, um, just looking forward, Caleb Williams and Leakin Riley in that conference are going to win you at least 10 games. No doubt in my mind. They're going to win at least 10 games. So if, if they were reaching and they were looking to the future a little bit too soon, I understand what they're trying to do right here. But preseason, I agree. They, they probably shouldn't be ranked as high as they are. I will say I kind of skipped over this when we talked about NC State at 13. I got fired up because uh, obviously I'm a diehard NC State fan. What? Uh, I forgot to mention that my 13 on my list was Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like um, that. So, um, USC at 14. Um, we just mentioned that and talked about it between the three of us. Uh, my 14 is Arkansas. Okay, okay. Like, Give a little like respect to the Razorbacks. Let's go. Okay, I like it. A little SEC love. You know, we love the SEC until the season starts. We want as many <laughs> SEC teams ranked in the top 25 as we can. So whenever we play them and, and beat them by 30, it looks even better on our score column. So Kentucky and Arkansas, 13 and 14 for me. All right, let's go into 15. 15 on the AP poll. Uh, Michigan State. Um, 
face value. Um, I think it might be a little bit high at 15, if I'm being honest. Um, the only reason that I would say that is because of who I've got at 15. At 15, I've got Pitt. Um, I think Pitt is a little bit... It's hard to say Pitt's a more proven team than Michigan State because Michigan State had a really, really good year. Um, and Pitt lost to Kenny Pickett, who is, you know, one of the better college quarterbacks of, of recent. Um, so, but for me, Pitt, you lose Kenny Pickett, but you bring in a guy like Keaton Slovis, who um, is a, a known stud. He's a good quarterback. And then you're bringing back the Bolitnikoff Award winner with Jordan Addison. Um, he had 1,600 yards last year receiving and 17 touchdowns. So you give a guy like Keaton Slovis a weapon like that. I think Pitt's still going to be able to do some damage in the ACC. So I have Pitt at my 15 as opposed to uh, Michigan State on the AP 15. Uh, what do y'all think about Michigan State there? I think it's – I think it basically everything you said is absolutely right. I mean, it's a little high, but they're one, another one of those teams that have the historics behind it, and they had a great year last year. I don't think they'll be nearly as good, but I do still think it's going to be a three-man race in the – Big Ten with Michigan State being in that third spot. Yeah. Michigan State, um, we talk about how the rankings should be based off last year. Um, if we're going off that logic, uh, I think this is a perfect spot for them to land. Obviously, you talk about a Pittsburgh who also had a great year last year. Um, and we're talking about both teams losing key players with Kenny Pickett and uh, Kenneth Walker, both both leaving towards the NFL. So um, I feel like when you start getting to this point in the rankings, the difference between – 15 and you know a 20 is a lot smaller than the difference between a one and like a five like you know we're, we're starting to get to the part of the rankings where these teams are going to be really really close and like at any point these teams could jump each other any given week i mean we're talking about the point where pittsburgh beats a ranked team and michigan state slightly struggles against an unranked team pittsburgh could jump them where you know whenever you start getting higher up in the top 25 that don't really matter nearly as much so um I, I, I like the ranking. I, I don't think that they will finish this high. I I am a big Mel Tucker fan. I think he's a great coach. Um, but I, I just don't. After watching them play last year and seeing how they won football games and having the Jonathan Taylor of college football last year with Kenneth Walker, uh, I just don't see them being able to keep up that production going into this year. They do play good defense, though. I will give them that. They do play good defense. All right. Um... So that, that's Michigan State for you at 15. Let's head into 16. 16 on the AP poll is Miami. Um, I'll be honest, I think this is a perfect ranking for them. Um, I think 16, it, it, you hit the nail right on the head here. Um, if I'm going onto my list, this may be a little bit of a hot take, and I'll kind of get into why I made this decision. Um, I'll go ahead and say I had Miami at 17 on my list, so 16 on the AP poll, we're right there with each other. At 16, I had Houston here. Houston, um, ooh. Pinders. And the reason I had the reason I had Houston here is because I think they're going to take over the American Conference this year. Um, Cincinnati obviously lost a lot last year, and I'm not saying since he's dead. They're on my list as well, a little bit lower on it. But um, Houston, man, you're, you look at a team like Houston, um, they're bringing back a wide receiver in Nathaniel Dell, who had almost 1,400 receiving yards last year. Um, and they're bringing back their starting quarterback in Clayton Toon, and um, obviously they've got a good relationship there. And then they're bringing back a running back in, in – uh, Alton Macasil, 
Macaskill, I don't know how you pronounce that, Macaskill, I'll say. Alton Macaskill rushed for 16 touchdowns last year. Um, so they ran the ball, and they also threw the ball pretty effectively. And a thing that doesn't get talked a lot about Houston, obviously the competition's weak. We all know that in the American Conference. Um, but the American Conference has been showing a little bit of love here recently with teams like Cincinnati competing and um, for the past couple of years of what they've been able to do. And I think you put a, a team like Houston in there, um, the record's going to look really, really good because of who they play. But Houston's a very efficient team. They play clean ball. They play good ball. They've got a solid defense. Um, obviously, the, the defense is not it's not as easy to grade as an SEC team or, or a Power 5 team because of the competition. But um, they bring back a pretty good defense, and the offense for them, I think, is there. So I've got Houston at 16 while Miami is 16 on the AP poll. But like I said, I think 16 for Miami is a, a perfect rating. Take I think I think Miami's overrated. And I'll I'll stand by that. I think Miami's overrated every year. I do think this is probably one of the better teams they've had in most recent years. But I still think they're I think sixteen's still too high. I wouldn't even put them seventeen. Honestly, I might even put them at twenty. But Ooh. let's let's get one thing straight here about Miami. Ooh. When you put Miami on the AP poll at 16, you're not putting Miami poll. You're not putting Miami at 16. You're putting Tyler Van Dyke at 16. Yeah, that's true. I guess exactly. that's true. But... And uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw this in here. You take Manny Diaz away from Tyler Van Dyke, and you go ahead and toss him Mr. Mario Cristobal. That is going to be the difference right here. And Tyler Van Dyke, Um, people forget, Tyler Van Dyke was not the starter the whole season last year. And whenever Tyler Van Dyke took over that role, that Miami team looked good. Other other than a slip up against Florida State, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cancel that out of the, out of our minds. Obviously, I'm talking about this team because I am a huge Tyler Van Dyke fan. Um, dude, Tyler Van Dyke is legit, and I know there's some great quarterbacks in the ACC. This guy right here, when we're talking about pro prospect like style quarterback, this guy is a guy that's playing for money this year. If this guy goes out and balls out this year, this guy could easily jump up to be the third quarterback in this draft. So, you know, we're he's he's playing for something a little bit more than just college football stuff right here. This guy's playing playing to make himself a little bit of money. That's where I think that this Miami team, and I think the ranking's good. I do think I honestly, if I was gonna rank them anywhere else, I would probably rank them uh a little bit lower, honestly. And I'm somebody that does kind of you know go with Miami. But, you know, I, I think that they have the upsides there. The upside for Miami, they, I think they could win the ACZ with, with a good season. Now, and I don't disagree. And don't get me wrong. I'm on the Tyler Van Dyke hype train as well. My only knock on Miami is I just don't think he's going to be enough to put them in contention. Um, but I, I think he's a stud. I think he'll be a Heisman candidate. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So I'm a fan as well. You know, don't get me wrong. Um I do think they may be a little bit overrated. I think people get overhyped. I was surprised to see them at 16, honestly, with all the hype that they got. I expected them to be higher than that. So for them to be at 16, and we, I've said it multiple times, the, the top 25 poll, this is not us projecting where teams are going to be at the end of the year. But if I, was, if I were to give you my guess at where Miami would be at the end of the year, 16 would be about as good of a guess as I could give you. No, I feel like if, if, if I had my own money on the line, if, if I had my own money on it, I, I would probably agree with you. Yeah. Now, if I was a yeah. billionaire and I didn't have my own money on the line, I would probably put them at number two behind Georgia. Yeah, just like Kenny said, TBD, I think he's great too, but I don't think he's enough to put them 
I don't think he's enough to like move them up at 16 over teams that have already proven more, in my opinion. No, I agree. And then then we look at the team that's ranked that's that's second, that's right behind them on this ranking, and that that kind of makes it a little bit worse from this aspect because obviously the team right behind them had a lot better season than they did, and that is me throwing you a sweet alley oop, Trey Young to John Collins style, Kenny. Uh, the next team. <laughs> Thank you for the alley-oop. I'll go ahead and slam that one down. Number 17 on the AP poll is Pitt. Um, I've already talked about them. No arguments for me at 17. Um, my biggest argument would be Miami. I think Pitt is ahead of Miami, um, but I had them at 15. So if I were to sit here and say 17 is a horrible ranking because I had them two spots ahead, I'd be a doofus. Um, so Pitt at 17, I don't think it's bad. Um, again, I had Miami at my 17. Respectable. Uh, Pitt, you talk about a guy like Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis is a guy that went to USC, had a great freshman year, made JT Daniel transfer famously to Georgia, where then Stetson Bennett made him transfer over to West Virginia. So, I mean, uh, Slovis is a guy that dealt with injury a little bit going into his sophomore season, and uh, he hasn't quite back, got, got back to his freshman form, but obviously we see Kenny Pickett have success at Pittsburgh, and this is no, no knocks on Kenny Pickett, but... I do feel like Keaton Slovis can go over there and do something similar to what Kenny Pickett did to me. Maybe not so much the athletic style of play. Obviously, we saw Kenny Pickett have a little bit of flashy runs and stuff, fake slide and stuff, but Slovis, to me, is more of a a good pocket passer that's going to be able to make some plays, you know, with the the deep ball and all that fun stuff in the pocket. Yep, y'all kind of said it. I agree with Pitt. Perfect ranking. What were you thinking? That's a little wild, Jake. Think Keaton Slovis gonna come in there and throw for forty-seven tuz, forty-five hundred yards? Well, I mean, apparently in Steelers training camp, Kenny Pickett's an absolute bum. So I mean, I I, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> he looked good in a preseason game. Wow. Yeah, against that undrafted free agent corner that played at Purdue last year. That's probably the same guys he's seen in training camp. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he saw Joe Hayden in training camp and absolutely pooped himself. Yeah. All right, um, so Pitt at 17, let's move into the 18th spot. The 18th spot on the AP poll is Wisconsin. Um, this is an egregious pick for me. Wisconsin's not a top 25 team in the nation. Get them out of here. Yeah, they are. Wisconsin is a top 25 team. Wisconsin is perfect. Now, I'm not going to say perfectly rated. Wisconsin is one of those teams. I- I'm sorry to cut you off so fast, Kitty. Wisconsin is one of those teams that play tough ball every single week. You cannot tell me that you've seen a Wisconsin game and be like, oh, yeah, these guys aren't playing tough. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's going to find their way in preseason, and they're going to find their way into the top 25 at the end of the year. Now, obviously, their upside is garbage. Wisconsin is not moving up any higher than 18. But 18 <laughs> to 25, they will probably be sitting there comfortably all year long to me. Yeah, I agree completely, Jake. Um, I don't think their ceiling is any higher than 18. I wouldn't mind them being ranked in the 20s, but I think 18's fine. I just, I don't like the Wisconsin team at all. Um, you can make the argument that they play tough football. I won't argue with you there, but I think the teams they play tough football with are also horrible teams. Anytime they played quality competition last year, they lose 41-13 to Notre Dame, 38-17 to Michigan. Um, twenty. They win 2014 to Army. They lose. Um, they lose the. Um, I just lost it. Wherever it goes, whatever. Um, 
I'm not going to sit here and talk about Wisconsin. I think Graham Mertz is a horrible football player. He's their starting quarterback. They're bringing him back again. The dude had a career high, 1,900 passing yards last year, so congratulations to him. Uh, finished the year with 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Obviously, he's a dog. Um, I think I think this team's. I think this is a bad football team. Um, I think that inflated record is, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that the Big Ten is horrible. But uh, like you just said, Jake, you're talking about the ACC maybe being the second best conference in football, and then a nine-win team in Wisconsin who went six and three in conference play. I just don't. With the teams that I've got behind them on my list, um, and the teams that are behind them on the AP Top 25 list, like there's not a team on this AP Top 25 list that's after Wisconsin that I would say is a worse team than Wisconsin. So I, I'm not high on them at all. Um, so uh, for Wisconsin at, at 18 on my list at 18 is this is where I had Michigan State. Michigan State, so, okay. Moving off the 18 at Wisconsin, um, the AP Top 25 poll. This is just a perfect example. I just alley-oop myself, um, like you just mentioned with the DeJounte Murray. Um, the AP Top 25 poll, Wisconsin at 18, followed by, I'll do a duel here, 19 and 20 of Arkansas and Kentucky. Um, I can confidently say that if Arkansas or Kentucky played Wisconsin, they would win by 28 points on a bad day. No, I agree, but I mean, you look last year, um, and this this is before uh, the last game of the season. But eight and three Wisconsin was ranked eighteen. That was in front of a ten and one Houston, a nine and two Pittsburgh, a nine and two Wake Forest, a ten and one San Diego State, a ten and one Louisiana Lafayette, an eight and three North Carolina State, and a seven and four Arkansas. So obviously they're going to get a little bit of love throughout the rankings throughout the year. It was a bad rating then, it's a bad rating now. <laughs> I no, think... go ahead, Jacob. Go ahead. I got I got some talks on this stuff too. All I'm saying is I'll just say it quick. I think Arkansas and Kentucky are both severely underrated, especially on the AP AP poll in real life. They're just underrated teams. What is what is y'all's what is y'all's? Okay, I'm gonna do these as a duo, and I'm I'm gonna kind of lean more towards the Kentucky side. What is y'all's percentage chance that Kentucky goes 11 and one this year with an only loss to Georgia? I see you pulling up that schedule, Jacob. Go ahead. Percentage chance? A percentage chance that can... Well, honestly, on ESPN, they had a little feature earlier, and this is what brought this up. Um, They had Arkansas going 11-1 and losing to Tennessee. Oh, you're talking about... I thought you were talking about Kentucky. Yeah, no, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. My fault. My my fault. Kentucky. I I saw that. They said that they lost Tennessee and they were going to beat Georgia. Yes. I'm going to pull up their schedule, too. I don't think they're they're going to beat Georgia, but I do feel like Arkansas has a legit chance to be a 10-win team. I was going to say, I don't know where they beat Georgia. They'll lose lose another game to South Carolina or Tennessee or maybe even a Florida, but I I, I could see them being a 10-win team to be in the top 10, possibly. I think if they lose another game in the season, it'll be to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a tough team. I don't see them. You're right. I don't. I could easily, I'd give them 85% chance, and that's me lowballing it of them being a 10 win team. A 10 win team, yes. I think that they have, they have pretty high odds to be at least a 10 win team. Now, Arkansas, on the other hand, <laughs> their schedule is tough. Arkansas does have a little bit more of a thing. Um, so what, hold on, what was the question? So, my original question was what is, what is the percentage chance that they were an 11 win team? Then we kind yeah. of backed it back down to a 10 win team. I think I had them at 10 wins. Did I not? I think that we both had them pretty close to 10 wins. I had them ranked 
hilariously, I had them ranked um third in the SEC East, and then after we did our record predictions, um, I want to say I had them ten and two. <laughs> I had Tennessee at second in my SEC rankings before we did that, and uh, yeah, after looking at schedules and seeing the home away matchups, uh. Kentucky, Kentucky might be in for a little bit of fun. It, it might be one of those seasons where whenever we play Kentucky, we're confident. But then again, if we lose the game, they take first place. Just like it was a couple of years back when they were like 8-0. and We were like 8-0. and And obviously, we were confident we we're going to win the football game. But then again, you, you don't want to sleep on that type of team at all. Because I always talk about Mark Stoops as their head coach. This dude figures out how to win football games every freaking year. And you can't even name... I mean, they have guys, but like you look at recruiting and all that fun stuff. You're like, where do these guys come from? Where does Kentucky grab Will Levis from? <laughs> so, t- all right, I'll give Kentucky a 64.7% chance of, ha- of having 10 wins this year. That low? I think 64.7 is pretty, pretty good. I think 85. I was going to 85 is a little high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you walk into a bar in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky right now and say, you know what? Six times out of ten, your team's going to win ten games. They'd probably be like, sign me up. You would be plastered by the time you walked out of that bar because you'd have 85 Kentucky fans offering to buy you whatever beer they drink in Kentucky. I, I don't know. I don't think people live in Kentucky. But, I mean, if there are people in Kentucky. Um, they don't drink beer. I don't know what they drink. I, they I don't drink know anything Jack. about Okay, I might, I might like Kentucky. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> what? Um. All right. So obviously, we just talked. We gave you a little double decker there with Arkansas and Kentucky at nineteen and twenty. Um. I think, I think those are low rankings. Obviously, I had them way higher. Uh, my nineteen and twenty on my list were Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Okay, I, I respect it. Um. Yes. Uh, it, it's Oklahoma's such a hard team to judge. Oklahoma's so tough. I do agree with it, but just hearing Oklahoma in a preseason ranking being ranked outside, like in the twenty, like near twenty, that's just so weird to me. <laughs> it's something that to me hasn't happened in a preseason ranking in like years. <laughs> I just, I just keep it with my Big Twelve, my Big Twelve outlook. I think, I think they're the surefire third best team in the Big Twelve, and. I don't think the third best Big 12 team can be a top 15 team in college football. So 20 for me, for the, if you were to say, Kenny, the, the number three ranked team in the Big 12 will be the 20th ranked team in the country. I think that's probably right on par. I agree. I agree. I mean, is there a chance that they win that conference? Yes. Um, but I, I do agree with how we're looking at it right now. All right, so Arkansas and Kentucky, 19 and 20. Number 21 on the AP poll is Ole Miss. So that kind of follows suit with what I was just saying. Um, Obviously, Ole Miss and Oklahoma at 19 and 20 for me. Number 21 on my top 25 list, this is where I had USC. Okay, uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, um, to me, Ole Miss is a team that's going to fluctuate in and out of the top 25 all year long when it comes to winning games and losing games against tough sec opponents i feel like where they're ranked at right now it's going to be hard for them to make a super big jump unless they come up with some really big wins um but i feel like they will win enough and they will lose enough to kind of hang around the same spot anywhere from 20 to 25 to unranked all year long with Ole miss completely agree yeah and i think i actually had 
Ole Miss um, in my preseason power rankings for the SEC. I think I had them at four, I want to say. Um, I had them behind A&M and Arkansas in the West. Yes. Um, so I'm looking at a team like A&M, who I think is a top five team, and a team like Arkansas, who I think I had at I had Arkansas at 14. So no, I, I don't think I don't think that's a hot take, Jake. I think Ole Miss is going to be a decent football team. And obviously, if you look, guys, you're watching this from a contention standpoint. You're talking about teams like Alabama and Georgia. There's a lot of teams in college football. If you're a top 25 team, you're a good football team. Yes. You know, so whenever, saying, whenever, whenever you're a tier like Ole Miss, yeah, yeah exactly. unless you're Notre Dame, yeah, facts, huge facts. Sorry, wait, ah, oh, damn, never mind. I was, I was gonna say sorry to Notre Dame fans, but I don't think, I don't think Notre Dame fans really exist. They say they're Notre Dame fans, but I, I don't <laughs> see how, I don't see how that's true. Well, and if there were any Notre Dame fans listening to this podcast, they they left a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um. Number 22 on the AP Top 25 poll, this is Wake Forest. Um, obviously, we get into the situation with them. The Wake Forest, I don't know anything about their quarterback room other than who the starter was. Um, obviously, that starting quarterback out there in Wake Forest is probably a top 10 quarterback in college football. Sam Hartman. It, it, slipped, my, it slipped my thoughts earlier, but I, I remember it now. Sam Hartman, yeah. I believe. So, it it's such a significant drop-off for me. So, I'm looking at, and I'm not saying... I mean, it's tough. You get into hot takes and and grading here. Oh, I'd have to do some breakdowns and really grade these players individually to say this with confidence. But I'll say tier-wise, I think Sam Hartman is the same caliber college quarterback as Tyler Van Dyke. Oh, my God. Oh, that just hurt my heart. With that being said, I think their their responsibilities and their rankings to their respective teams. If you were to take Tyler Van Dyke off of Miami, Miami would not be a top twenty five team. And I think you take Sam Hartman off of Wake Forest, he's they're not a top twenty five team. So Wake Forest at twenty two, um, unfortunately with with Sam Hartman being gone, they did not make my top twenty five list. At twenty two, this is where I had Tennessee. I I will talk about Tennessee because um, there's a little foreshadowing. They're not featured on this list. And uh, I do agree with you on the Tennessee aspect. I think Tennessee is also in the old Miss category of a team that can fluctuate in and out of that top 25 near the back end. And if they put together a good season, like I mentioned earlier, Tennessee, to me, could still finish in that second spot in the SEC East if they play good ball. Um, Obviously, Kentucky's up there, and Kentucky's tough. Um, But do I think that Tennessee could beat Kentucky? Yeah, like I mean, obviously, like I don't, I don't think that the tier is too different between those two teams. Um, but talk about a team like Wake Forest, and you kind of hurt my heart right there, saying that Sam Hartman is the same caliber as Tyler Van Dyke. That's kind of like saying that Zach Calzada is the same caliber as Will Rogers at uh, you know, Mississippi State. Um, and you know, Calzada, by the way, he's the quarterback at uh, he's he's one of the quarterbacks at the University of LSU now, I believe. No, not LSU, Auburn. He's Auburn's quarterback. Okay. Um, that's like saying Will Rogers is the same caliber as uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a big drop off in my opinion between the two. So got some stats for you, Jake. I think you'll be surprised. What Jaden Daniels had ten touchdowns and eleven interceptions last year at Arizona State. Is that, that the was stat? Sam Hart? Sam Hartman had forty three hundred yards and forty touchdowns. Okay, what was Tyler Van Dyke's stat line look like? Twenty nine hundred and twenty five. How many games? Sam Hartman. <laughs> Sam Hartman played four more games. Oh, yeah. Tyler Van Dyke's covering that by a mile. 1,400 yards in four games? 
no doubt. He's going to get 1,600. 400, 400 yards a game, 1,600 yards. Four touchdowns Four. a game, 16 touchdowns. Dude, it's it, 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 350 it, it, yards a game. Jesus Christ. 350 yards a game. I said Tyler 400 a game. the next Joe Burrow. <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke is going crazy this year. It's confirmed. Sam Hartman's a bona fide stud. He's super slept on, and they play in the same conference, so you, you can't make the competition argument either. Facts. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke has that, Tyler Van Dyke has that bona fide, and he's showing it down there in Miami to all them uh Miami females down there. So you know PG thirteen, we're gonna keep it real. Y'all don't know it bona fide. So, no, you throw it out there. <laughs> Jake Jake's X factor is Tyler Van Dyke got that dog in him. Tyler Van Dyke got that Zach Wilson. <laughs> he's like that team that you ranked like somewhere in the top thirteen. That Houston team. He he likes that. He likes he likes them Houston Cougars. So you know. Big fan I'm of not going to lie. I knew Sam Hartman was good. I didn't know he was that good before I made that claim. You talk, I mean, 4,300 yards and 40 touchdowns, dude. That's nuts. Yeah, I, I knew that, and I, I'm still going to say um, Tyler Van Dyke's better. And if you're listening to it on the podcast, I have a very uh, lying face on right now. Cause <laughs> I, I, might, I might not have known that. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild, dude. That is crazy. All right, all right, all right. Wake Forest at 22. Uh, what do y'all think about Wake Forest with Sam Hartman being gone? Are they a top 25 team, Neil? Dude, they ranked, him at, they ranked him at 22 thinking Sam Hartman was going to be there. This team is going to win four games. <laughs> <laughs> this team, their quarterback had 40 touchdowns last year, and he's gone. This team is going to win two games. You Maybe know, not that right, bad, but they're going to be bad. Tennessee was my 22. Y'all got anything about Tennessee? I, I do like I enjoy Tennessee. I think they're a great team, but I don't think that I think their schedule is going to prevent them from cracking. They might be top twenty-five at some point, but I don't know if they're going to finish top twenty-five, mainly because of their schedule. I want to get a little talk to a Tennessee fan over there, Jacob. Who me? Who Jake? That boy Jake. I'm not a Tennessee fan, but I I am somebody that's fairly high on Tennessee. And by I, I was actually going to say, um, do you have South Carolina anywhere on your rankings, Kenny? South Carolina and Tennessee are my two wild cards in the SEC East right now that I feel like are pretty interchangeable because obviously South Carolina, we talk about Spencer Rattler, and I don't want to go too far off of the whole topic of the conversation, but I feel like both those teams could kind of be like this team you're looking for in the in the bottom tier of the top 25. And both of those teams, like I mentioned, could possibly be the second best team in the SEC East if they come out and play good football. And that's I, obviously Clemson, I mean, Kentucky. I don't know how I say Clemson, that's my bad. Obviously, Kentucky, I was talking very highly on them. And obviously, if I was to bet my money on who would finish second in the SEC East, it would be Kentucky. But you tell me on a Saturday at at noon, whenever you're watching that game come up, a South Carolina-Kentucky game or a Tennessee-Kentucky game, you're not sitting there thinking it's going to be a pretty close game that neither team could win. You are lying to my face. So, you know, it, absolutely, those those games are tough. And, you know, it, it could be it could be a really interesting matchup. I, I like Tennessee. I like Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker is one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, probably a top five quarterback in the SEC. And that fast-paced yeah, offense of them, you know, just snapping the ball, throwing a wide receiver screen, snapping the ball, throwing a wide receiver screen, all of a sudden your cornerback comes down. Oh, man, if we didn't have Kelly, if we didn't have Keely Ringo right here, we'd probably be screwed. Well, guess what? Um, there's 13 teams in SEC that do not have Kelly Ringo. So, I mean, those teams might be screwed. And that might be what Hendon Hooker does this year. That's against Georgia because we're going to beat them by 30. And that's why I had him in my top 25. That's why I had him at 22. Um, 
If I'm giving you my preseason projections, obviously we've already done that with our SEC breakdown. I think South Carolina will be a better team than Tennessee this year, but oh. Tennessee, I think Tennessee is more warrant warranting or more warranted of a top twenty-five spot at this point than South Carolina is. Jacob, you look like you just want to say something. He's hopping up. <laughs> I think either either statement is correct. I just. And I'm not saying that Tennessee's a bad football team. I like Tennessee. I think they're. I think they are a good team. I think all I said is I think their schedule keeps them out of the tw- top 25. Because I, you can say what you want. I think Kentucky takes it. I think Pittsburgh beats them. I think Georgia. Georgia obviously beats them. Bama obviously beats them. And then I think what you were saying with Tennessee and Kentucky, that's more of a Tennessee South Carolina game. That game is going to be close. I agree. I think South Carolina and Tennessee are very close. If you look back at my SEC preseason rankings, I had South Carolina finishing at third in the East and Tennessee at four. And I think I had them separated by one game, and it's the game against each other. I think I had South Carolina winning that game. So um, I think there's, I think they're a similar caliber team. Obviously, I am not high whatsoever on Spencer Rattler. I do not think he's mm-hmm. – I don't, I don't think he's that good. But, um, you know, he could probably go – Toe to toe with with Hendon Hooker for for a ball game. Every every college every college football coach in the country saw something in him when he was coming out of high school. There has to be something there at the college football level. I'm not going to say the pro level. And talent's there. The talent is there, and that is the thing that kind of keeps me on air with South Carolina. Yeah, no, the talent is there. It's just about getting that dude to play within a team. Exactly. If anyone can do it, if anyone can do it, it's going to be them. I agree. All right. So we're talking y'all's ears off tonight, obviously. Um, 23 on the AP poll is Cincinnati. Um, I think they hit the nail on the head with this one. That's a that's a pretty solid rating to me. I had Cincinnati at 24. It's fine. It's fine based off last year. But this team, I can I would put my whole bank account on it. They will not be ranked by the end of the year. I agree. I do not think Cincinnati's a great football team. I don't think they're – Top 25. I would rather have Tennessee or South Carolina in it other than Cincinnati. I don't think – I don't think there – I'll say this. I don't think there's going to be two American conference teams at the end of the year in the top 25. I agree. And I, and I think Houston beats Cincinnati. So, I'll give I, – I had Houston relatively high on my list. Um, so, I'll give them that spot over Cincy. So, no, I, I agree. I don't – it's so it's tough because they – their coaching staff is very, very good. And they are bringing back some guys, but you lose Desmond Ritter, you lose your two lockdown corners. Like that team is, it's a significant drop off. So I wouldn't be surprised to not see them be in the top twenty-five. Yeah. Um, my top, my twenty-three, uh, my my twenty-third ranked team was BYU. Okay, I respect it. BYU is one of those teams to me too. That I feel like just hangs around. Um, twenty-four on the AP poll was Houston. I had Houston higher because I do have them winning the American Conference over Cincinnati. I think that that's where it kind of, uh, I get, I I get that we're not doing end of the year rankings here, AP poll guys, but Cincinnati and Houston are going to play each other in the American conference. How do you have them back to back at 23 and 24? <laughs> One of those teams has to be the conference champion. To be fair, they did, they did put an undefeated American conference team in the college football playoff last year. What about an 11-1 American conference team against like a 7-4 SEC team? 
Well, do you think that's something like, th this is not my opinion this is just something you think that that would be something that they would think because obviously we look at teams like Ole Miss and a team like Tennessee and South Carolina they might be hanging around that seven and four area um and obviously in the past we've seen seven and four teams get in I want to say Arkansas was I'm saying seven and four seven and five I think Arkansas was somewhere around that seven and five uh eight and four last year um do you think that's a possibility that could happen them putting a one loss American team over you know, one of those SEC teams that got four losses? It's an interesting question because I, I, I'm on the edge about it. I, I could definitely see it happening, but then again, I'm like, no way. It's <laughs> it's so subjective, right? Like an 11-1 and or a 12-0 and American Conference team like Cincinnati last year, for sure. But you lose that dominant team that Cincinnati had. So now it's like, Last year was such a different vibe for rankings because Cincinnati had done it before. So you're not looking at a 12 and 0 team. You're looking at a 24 and 0 team. Realistically, right? You're looking at two undefeated seasons back to back. Yeah, I mean, so, unless, unless you're so, counting bowl games because they got beat by yeah them dogs. Bowl games. But now you're now you're looking at two unproven American Conference teams. So I don't know. I mean, obviously. If you were to ask me right now, Kenny, in 2022, do you think an 11-1 and Houston or an 11-1 and Cincinnati, based off of this future year, do you think they would beat a 7-5 and South Carolina or Tennessee? Uh, no, I do not. I don't at think all. so either. But that Cincinnati team last year, you know, hell yeah. But I, th I, th I, think, I think an 11-1 and Cincinnati team stays in the top 25, even if Houston goes 12-0. I will say that. I just don't think that'll happen. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think no Cincinnati way. goes eleven and one, but I, I do think that they would hang in there. No, they probably would. I just, I don't think it's likely, but I do think they would. All right. Um, <clears throat> so that is Cincy at twenty three. My twenty three was BYU. I had Cincy at twenty four. I think I already mentioned that twenty four on their list was Houston. I mentioned that already back to back, and then rounding it out at twenty five, the AP bowl or the AP um, poll had a BYU at twenty five. Um, the kicker here is Wake Forest for me because Wake Forest did not make my list. So what I did is I moved the teams up, and the twenty fifth team rounding out the top twenty five for me is Iowa. Okay, that's okay. I I respect it because. I I was probably still going to have a defense. I mean, they might score 13 points a game, but they might give up 10 against bad teams. Um, again, we talk about it in, in the 25 spot. There's probably 50 teams out there that could, I mean, hell, we could see a North Carolina in this spot at the end of the year. Like North Carolina could go eight and three and they might pop in this spot. So, I mean, there's, there's so many options at 25. I'm not going to judge it for it because there's so many different avenues you could take. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I mean, I could see an well, Iowa getting up there. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Iowa's a good football team. I just have them at 25 because they went, they were a 10-win team last year that won their division. I, do, I don't think they're good. This isn't me saying Iowa's the 25th-ranked team in the country. I just think if you're basing it off of last year, they did, they did get 10 wins. And they're bringing back everybody. Yeah, I, I, I'm, fine with, I'm fine with Iowa in the top 25. Yeah, I respect it. I'd have them at twenty five over a no quarterback Wake Forest. I was another team to me that I feel like they'd give they'd give a lot of teams 
good games just because of that defense and be able to like kind of we saw Iowa's defense last year. They they played some some pretty pretty crazy games. So, you know. I, I think they're a team that can hang pretty pretty tight with some of these, you know, lower end top twenty five teams. Well, boys, we just ripped out a two hour long podcast. That was a grind. Um is there before we get out of here, do y'all have any college football things you want to hit on? Um I kind of feel like we can't get out of here without talking about Deshaun Watson. I know we we're talking about college football, but that just happened today. Oh, yeah, Jacob, yeah, bring yeah, it. Bring yeah, it. Bring the content. Oh. Jacob, cover it, cover it. You brought some content. I'm just you saying. Cover it. I'm just saying. How does he get 11 game suspension when, Cal- like, whatever he did, take whatever. Everybody knows what he did. I'm not going to say it. He did that. Calvin Ridley bets on one game that he's not even playing. He gets a whole year. There's a whole list of people. How many people have gotten? over a year for uh not even peds but like smoking weed to help pain which is legal in a good bit of states now but deshaun watson has 24 like over two dozen acquisitions and he gets 11 games and also why does he get 11 like why wouldn't it be 12 or like something even We'll tell you why he got 11. Because, because he's coming back for Houston. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly why. Goodell is a stooge. Goodell was 100% a stooge. The report that I saw said that the – so, and I don't know how the whole system works, but what I from what I see from a very basic understanding is that Goodell hired Judge Sue Robinson to handle these grievances so that he – his un or his biased opinion, and so that no one else could say Goodell has a hand in it, is taken is taken out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you appoint this judge who analyzes the evidence, analyzes the claims, analyzes everything, all the accusations, and everything that she's given, and they do a in depth analysis and a hearing over it. And she says, "Okay, he's what? What was it? Four, six games?" What was it originally? It was six games originally. And then Goodell comes out there and says, oh, yeah, that's not good enough, so we're going to be appealing that. After you hire this woman to do, like, you completely just went back on everything that you did. So the NFLPA, which is the Player Association, had a problem with it because they say, dude, like, we just had this whole situation where you bring a third party in to handle this so that you don't get involved and you don't like the results so you get involved anyways. So the PA didn't the PA sue? I want I want to say something like that did yeah. happen. So I think the the NFL PA sued. I don't know if they sued Roger Goodell or if they sued the NFL, whatever it was. So what I was able to get from the reports today is that Goodell pushed for a year, and the NFL PA pushed for Sue Robinson's ruling because that's what everyone agreed to, and to avoid legal. Whatever they met in the middle at eleven. Yeah, I, I did see that it was an agreement between Watson's side and the PA and all of them. All of them came to the agreement, and I'm fine with that. Like, come, I don't. I'm fine if you suspend them for three games. I don't think it's right, but if you're gonna do that, make your suspensions consistent. Absolutely. That like, and that's what I was about to say. I mean, Michael Vick went to prison for fighting dogs. Exactly. I'm looking at some stuff. At, other ones. Adrian Peterson got six games for his child abuse charges. Um, Antonio spanked, Brown. Where he spanked his kid. Yeah, all he did was spank his kid. Antonio Brown got eight games for um, 
He was a free agent when he got an eight-game suspension for sending a threatening text to a woman who accused him of sexual misconduct. Imagine 24 sex. So one one uh, accusation equals eight games, but then 24 equals 11. They don't make any sense at all. Fontes Burfitt got a 12-game suspension for a helmet-to-helmet hit. So I, I want to get in on this a little bit, and I, I want to go ahead and say that in the sports world as a whole, how they handle stuff to me is mostly at the professional level, obviously. Um, how they handle stuff is sick. And it, it is it is kind of a, a sad, sad reality we have to face that you have guys that take a performance-enhancing drug, they get more... And I, I know that the performance-enhancing drug affects play on the field, so I understand the system, and I understand what's going on. You have guys that take a performance-enhancing drug, guys that bet on a sports game, getting more than people that have beat their wives or people that have had, like you said, multiple accounts of sexual assault or, you know, domestic violence, all that fun, all that, and I'm not going to say fun stuff. I almost said fun stuff. All that stuff right there. Um, it, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a really, really messed up situation that we face. And it happens in baseball. It happens in football. It happens in all these different sports that you see harsher punishments for things that to me, Deshaun Watson, and I, I'm on I'm on the side that he should get a year. He shouldn't play football this year. And, and that's just my personal opinion. I, I think that your integrity is um you know, you're you're kind of a shame. And I, I don't I'm not gonna say that they're real, but if if it was that easy just to go out to say that this person did this to me, you would see it happen a lot more than what it does to professional athletes. I mean, why haven't we seen a Lamar Jackson or a Matt Ryan or a, you know, Tom Brady or none of these guys get the same thing that obviously what happened to Sean right now. Like there had to be something to spark that. So I'm not saying that he did something, but I mean, the signs kind of, to me, point in that direction. And I think that there should be a little bit harsher punishment than 11 games. Yeah. Well, look at his reaction, dude. Like he oh. said there was two, he had a, like, was it a, a presser today where literally within one sentence of each other he said yeah i didn't do anything wrong i maintain my innocence but i apologize to all the women that this affected that is weird well his when he apologized he said i i saw that same quote his apology was i'm sorry because of all like quotations was like because of all the people i've all the people that this has triggered he didn't necessarily say i'm sorry to these women he said i'm sorry because of all the thing all the people that this whole controversy has triggered so that's to me that's a half-ass apology in the first place and like if you see the statement that the browns released it said like deshaun is very uh apologetic basically saying he's very apologetic he's very sorry for what happened what went down and then deshaun comes out two days later and says yeah i'm i'm standing on my innocence like it's just the whole crap shoot right now and we're talking about a league we're talking about a league that I want to say Ray Rice got a four game suspension for decking his wife in an elevator on camera. I mean, obviously, Ray you know, Rice he, did get 12 games. He got 12? Yeah. Okay, so Calvin Ridley got more than a guy that just straight up punched his wife like, like she was a grown man in an elevator. And like, I, 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 I see exactly where you're going with this, Jacob. Like, it, it's, a, it's a whole messed up system to me. Yeah, here's about- three. So go ahead, Kenny. I was going to say, how about six games for 24 sexual harassment allegations and four games for Tom Brady 
possibly taking a little bit of the air out of a football. Yeah, or even how, how about this? Four games for Ben Roethlisberger being accused of raping two girls in Georgia, and he got four games for that. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is another one of those guys to me that's like, oh, my God. I'll tell you one thing about this Deshaun Watson situation. Baker Mayfield didn't get 24 sexual assault allegations. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, no, super fan. Just saying. Until he plays the Falcons. I'm just saying. Until he, play, until he plays the Falcons. Here's three, actually four. Here's four examples of uh, Darren Waller, Martavius Bryant, Travis Henry, Josh Gordon, all got at least one season, if not more, for testing positive with marijuana. Darren Waller did? I never knew that. Darren Waller's was a substance abuse policy, but it, his wasn't marijuana. His was like heroin. But it must have been yeah, early yeah. on in his career. I know. I know. He, I know he was like a late bloomer. Like he's he's older was, than what you. That was when. Yeah, he's that was 2017 with the Ravens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I know he's a Georgia Tech grad. He's been around for a lot longer than what most people would think. Like then his stardom has been. So. Yeah. My boy got oh, off the man. my boy got off the drugs and turned into a beast. So props to him. He really has been clean for a while. That's I know that's like a big thing for him. Another oh, Georgia yeah. guy, Georgia Tech legend. So you know, like see that. That's something that I would like. That I assume the NFLPA probably would have pushed for, right? Like when you have the controversial decisions for suspensions for these guys, like Calvin Ridley missing a whole season, or like all the things you just mentioned, Jacob. Like, and then you bring in Judge Sue Robinson to take over the legal side of things like I'm sure the NFLPA said, well, what about the guys who this has already affected? Uh, well, are they you probably change? Can't. You probably you can't change because steroids, because steroids, I, I guarantee you that that's, that's probably Goodell's. Like, it's probably all up to Goodell at that point because steroids and betting on games affect the integrity of the game where a sexual, a sexual assault or a sexual, any, like anything like that does not affect the integrity of the game. I assume that Goodell has every right to do whatever he wants to with people like people that do steroids or people that bet on games, but I don't think that he would probably have that same thing with somebody that has, you know, a sexual assault allegation. If you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think, Jake? What did Tatis get for substance abuse? Eighty games, something like that, I believe. Eighty games. So, Fernando, so Fernando Tatis gets half a year for. PEDs. Yeah, the PEDs uh, is kind of weird too because I think they have to do a certain amount of time because I think they have to a system thing. Like you have to make sure it's out of your system before you can technically play. If you know what I mean. What did D Hop get? D Hop got six. 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 So I guess that's relatively close. Uh, this dude, I've never heard of him. I'm just looking at it. Dominic Rhodes. He got three years. So from 2011 was when he was suspended and he was reinstated in 2014 for failing a three drug test. Now yeah, that's the thing with sports is they get worse and worse after every, every one of them. Yeah. But give me like, say Lamar Jackson fails three drug tests. I promise you, he doesn't get three years. But and since they, this dude's name is Dominic Rhodes and nobody knows who he is. I mean, you saw how MLB handled the Trevor Bauer situation. I don't think yeah. that there was ever. I don't think there was anything that straight up confirmed what Trevor Bauer did. Like he's not in prison. He's he's still chilling. Like, and they gave him. YouTube they gave videos. him. They gave him two full seasons. Like, yeah. Trevor Bauer will probably never pitch in the major leagues again. 
Well, Frick, you got Barry Bonds, who's the greatest hitter of all time, and uh, you know gets tested positive, test positive for PEDs, and they won't put him in the Hall of Fame. Fernando Tatis gets half a year. I know it's a different situation, allegedly, but you guess what? Tatis won't. Actually, I don't know because David Ortiz got he tested positive before and he made the Hall of Fame. So crazy to think. Crazy you know thing to think is, it. To be fair, David Ortiz tested positive like early, early on when he was bad, and then he he made his career after the steroids. Um, Barry Bonds did steroids and made his career. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it made his career, but it he did it in the prime. I'm not gonna say that affected him, but he did it during his prime. Let him juice. Alright, I, I think that's enough for tonight, guys. We're two hours and fifteen minutes in. I gotta be up at about five hours for work, so I I, I think I think I'm uh tapping out on this one. Uh you know, I wanna go wanna go ahead and say uh thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. Um Jacob, I think his ceiling fan is obvious is rolling right now. Uh, he has a little oh, bit of, he has a little bit of noise coming that. through the microphone. It, it's okay, it's okay. It, it's no worries. It's all um, right. Um, I, I do want to say thank you, Jacob, for hopping on with us. And uh, I know we're planning on getting you back on on Sunday for a little bit of a fun, fun thing. Podcast side, that'd be Monday. Um, and I want I want to go ahead and say, uh, check us out. Um, if you're listening to us on the podcast side, um, you can check out our YouTube stream, see our beautiful faces, see us, see us snarl whenever Kenny starts talking about how um that one quarterback from Wake Forest, um, Sam Hartman's is same as Tyler Van Dyke. Um, and you saw my face on that. Um, and again, if you're on the YouTube side, you see it on the screen right below me. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, uh, obviously we have a Twitter. I mentioned it earlier on the podcast, uh, Peach State Pod, and a TikTok, Peach State Tailgate. Um, that that's my final remarks. Again, thank you guys so much. And I'll let I'll let Kenny and Jacob go ahead and, and close this out. Jacob, you got anything for him? I'm just glad to be here. Can't wait for Sunday. Let's yeah, go, man. Yeah. Look, we're happy to have Jacob on here, y'all. Like I said, he knows the ball. Um. So anytime we get a guy on here that uh, that knows college football and, and knows pro football specifically, those those two, um, we're getting into that time of year, man. You're going to get more football talk out of us. So sorry to ramble on for another two hour and some change episode, but uh, you know that's a uh, that's sports talk for you. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Be sure to leave us some reviews, subscribe, follow, and uh, tune in for the next one. Peace.